Hello, it is Friday, May 22nd. I'll tell you what. Hey, there's a billionaire on today's show. Also Matt Light, who's three-time Super Bowl champion, and A.J. Hawk. But Mark Cuban, I mean, what a time to be alive. UFOs, parallel universes, Mark Cuban came on the show. Let's get right to it. Hey, remember, hashtag, this is where I'm at, Pat. Take a picture where you've been listening. We're making something awesome. You could win some free merch as well. Let's go. Let's get to it. Hey, hey, let's do this. Joining us now is one of the most accomplished Americans in the history of America. From Pittsburgh, went to IU because it was a top 10 business school and it was the most affordable. This guy's been running businesses since he was 12 years old. Now, he is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. You see him on Shark Tank showcasing his business acumen. Our most accomplished guest ever who is currently rewarding bad behavior because I misquoted him. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Cuban. What up, big dog? How you doing? <laughs> I should have wore my Dallas Mavericks sleeveless. I feel kind of upset that I didn't do that. You look amazing. I just rolled out of bed, man. So that's, you know, it's quarantine time. It's my day off. Uh, well, I appreciate you joining us and making time for us. Uh, you're a legend, obviously. Let's get right to it. Okay, so there's a lot of stories coming out. The reason why you're on this show is because Shaq and Charles Barkley came out and said, hey, let's scrap this last season. There'll be a big asterisk, not worth it. You came out and said, and I was wrong, but you said, let's do it in a safe fashion. It feels as if all systems are go for an optimistic return for this thing, and it sounds like Orlando's going to be the home. What have been the conversations behind the scenes that have put us to this point where the NBA is definitely going to come back? So first, got to correct you. That's not why I did the show. <laughs> I did a badass, dude. I love it. Yeah! <laughs> Let's go. I don't care about what those guys said, but to answer your question, right, um, I don't know yet. So I'm not on that committee. So I just hear things like everybody do. But the conversations I've had with other owners is that we are getting closer, right? We've just got to get to the point where we have confidence that whatever we do will work. I mean, you're an athlete, man. Imagine, you know, you know how guys think and feel about the whole thing. If we, when you put their health at risk, you put their careers at risk. So we have to be really, really safe. And so we're working on all those angles. But I'm a big fan of the Hotel California approach. You know, you put us in California, you check in, but you never leave. Until you-, <laughs> you know, and so once we get that in, teams will go there. We'll, we'll set it up so it's safe. When the regular season's over, for those aren't in the playoffs, they go home. Then when you lose a playoff round, you go home until we're done. Hey, and how big is it that LeBron James, Chris Paul, it seems like the stars of the league have said like, hey, we want to do this, right? In baseball, you got a lot of the star players being like, we can't do this business-wise. This sounds like a bad deal. But in the NBA, a lot of the big stars are like, hey, we want to get back to this. We want to do this. And this would be something unlike ever before seen if it's like a March Madness style tournament. How big of a deal is that, that the stars of the league are on board? You know, we our guys are smart, man. You know, they understand business. And see, the difference between the NBA and most other professional sports is our guys are mostly brands. You know, you know, you know them on social media. You know, LeBron's got how many social media followers? Same with Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Luca now, right for the young stars, KP. They're huge on social media, and that's part of who they are. And so they have a lot stronger connections to fans and and businesses and brands, and and so they understand the business side of it as well as the athletic side, and that makes it a little bit easier for us than other sports. You've come out and said on a couple different occasions that you feel like the NBA is the future. Now, granted the 
the NFL ratings were going down there for a little bit. NBA ratings were going up completely. Do you think it's because your players understand how to market and how to promote themselves, which inevitably promotes the league? Yeah, I mean, no question. Now, look, ratings aren't the best guideline anymore because so many people have cut the cord, right? So you've got most of your younger fans who aren't on, don't get cable, right? And that's a challenge for us. And, and the NFL has an advantage there. But nobody dominates social media like the NBA. And that's why I think we're really on the upswing for the reasons I mentioned. I mean, you got guys coming into the league like Luca and Zion who have millions of followers online, right? They already have that connection. Whereas, you know, even Joe Burrows, right? It's like, you know, you don't know him by sight. You know, the number one pick, the number one quarterback coming out, right? You don't know him, and he doesn't have that presence that our athletes do, and that makes gives us a huge advantage. I, there's been rumors that you've tried to buy teams in other sports. I'm from Pittsburgh, just like you. Shout out Mount yeah, Lebanon. Where Pittsburgh are you from? Plum. Plum Borough, baby. <laughs> yeah, let's go. You're yeah. 100% right. But um, I'm from Plum. Was a Pirate fan, kind of. But there's always been rumors that you have tried tried – once a pirate fan, always a pirate fan, no matter how painful, no matter how painful or brutal. Mark, they stink, and the ownership does not try to win. And there's always been rumors that you have tried to buy that team. Are those true? And would you ever venture into owning other teams? Like right after I tried to um, look at, after I bought the Mavs, I looked at the Pirates, and they just don't want to sell. And look, I get that, right? Up until the pandemic hit, they were crushing it financially. And like what I would tell people back home, I'm like, look, if I offered you a job where I paid you $20, 25000000 million a year and you stood in the middle of Market Square or you stood in Point Park in downtown Pittsburgh and the whole city just yelled at you all day, every day, would you take that $25 million a year job? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comes down to. And so, look, we've had, hey, at least we, we broke that non-playoff run, right? We got to the playoffs. They've gotten a little smarter about it. I, you know, I'm not as down on them, you know, for not spending the money that people want them to, because I think they're doing some smart things in development. They've got, you know, some facilities in Puerto Rico and stuff. But look, I get frustrated like everybody. I want to win. So would you want to ever buy another sports team? You said you were interested in potentially the Pirates, or does this have to be yeah. something that's emotionally? <laughs> Those days are gone, man. That's when, like, before I had kids. So the Pirates were, like, before I was married. That was different, right? And now I have kids. They're 10, 13, and 16. And, you know, being gone, you know, being involved for 82 games plus playoffs in the NBA, now it didn't seem like a lot before. Now it is a lot just because of, of the kids. Maybe, maybe after they're older and, have, you know, left the house i'll look at it again um but not right now okay so we've all seen you on shark tank you're the star of that show it went right night, baby you're damn right i watch <laughs> i feel like i've watched every single episode and in watching your brain get showcased is something that you've mentioned before you've said hey i feel like the american people have seen me at work they trust my business acumen whenever you were pitched to be on shark tank was your immediate thought like okay so i don't have to go out and find these companies anymore these companies are just coming to me this is the greatest show of all time no it was the exact opposite i'm like okay <laughs> This show was bounced around like one day it's on Tuesday night. The next day it's on Friday nights. The next day it's a one night replacement for Desperate Housewives on ABC. <laughs> this is a business show. These guys are weak that are on this show, right? So I'm going to go on there and, as a guest and I'm just going to crush them. The show's probably not going to last. And so I'm just going to raise hell. So I literally went on there as a guest shark for three episodes, the second season, just trying to raise hell and just mess with everybody. 
And then, you know, it started, we got lucky and the show started to take off. And now, you know, we just finished season 11 and hopefully we'll be back in August or September to start shooting season 12. But yeah, I, just, I, I didn't think it was ever going to last. I've I really been in, I've been in a few negotiations now because I'm a business owner here and I've had to talk about a lot of things and all of my knowledge, all of it comes from Shark Tank. So I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the depiction of the american dream it is a beautiful show and i can't thank you enough for that now you have followed in similar footsteps now and i'm not going to say you're the same person or anything like that but there's been conversations about you potentially being president you're on a show showcasing your business acumen right and now right. you're 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 a guy that a lot of people trust i mean this entire office trusts you whenever mark cuban says something we're like okay we know if mark cuban says it it's probably going to be accurate that presidential run is something that i assume you get asked about every single day and with what your answer was for the pirates your kids are gonna have to get older is that something you ever see yourself doing though maybe you know it's not like my dream is to be president it is not man let me just tell you i'd rather be playing hoops and just getting shots up and just chilling with the kids or my friends or whatever but it's just such a cluster you know what right it's just all messed up right now and you know especially now it's just like here we are in the middle of this pandemic and we have to figure out who do we trust with our lives, right? What information do we believe? And you want that coming out of the White House. So on one hand, it's like, damn, we need something, you know. And I think I, for the reason you mentioned, I think I can be that person. But I asked my family about it <laughs> and they just voted it down. <laughs> you know, so it's not going to happen this time around. Um, even I always say I keep my doors open because I'm an entrepreneur, right? So I'll never say never. And that's true, but I just don't see it happening. Maybe 2024, when my kids are a little older, we'll see. So you're right now, you are involved in the committee that the government has assigned to reopen the sports world. And I saw you tweeting that if you didn't get your PPP and you're a small business, there's still $100 billion left. So you're kind of yeah. you're kind of getting into the policy. Oh, I hear the Yinzer come out. I hear that little Yinzer. <laughs> hey, hey, go on down to the website. Okay, get up. Uh, <laughs> but you are are you enjoying this time where your decisions are not only affecting your basketball team or your businesses but your decisions your input your opinions are now directly affecting a lot of people's lives and your twitter and your tweets are affected are you enjoying that or is that too much yeah i mean i would do it if i did if i thought it was too much man i mean i'm an american citizen i want to help wherever i can man. especially now when things are such a mess anytime i can help small businesses in particular I, i'm going to do what i can you know, I'm an investor in 200 some businesses and I'm helping them all I can. And, you know, taking some of that knowledge, what I've learned on Shark Tank and trying to help, you know, you know what it's like. You're an entrepreneur, right? You know the strain, you know the stress. And now add all this to it and, you know, waking up, not knowing if you're even allowed to open, let alone being able to, to sell anything. And then when you are able to sell, you don't know if anybody's going to show up. So you don't know how many people you should put back on the payroll. You don't know which government programs make sense or don't make sense. You know, all that stuff. And so, you know, where I can help, I want to help. Okay, so... I feel like you have done a great job with your employees. You came out early and said you're going to pay all your arena employees. Zion was coming out saying he was going to do it. Everybody was helping. But it feels like you have really taken care of your employees. We try yeah. to do the exact same thing here. There's a lot of businesses, though. Yeah, thank you. All the boys actually <laughs> thank you. Thank are, you. All the boys are about to get a big raise, by the way. Pretty good news. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're here for. But um, it feels like a lot of companies... We're not fiscally responsible with their money. They were running, their burn rate was too much. And then now you got 37 million people unemployed at this point. I mean, there's a lot of gloom and doom in a lot of Americans' minds coming out of this quarantine, this post-quarantine. What would yeah. your message be to them about the American business, the American spirit, and what could potentially happen to the economy afterwards? You know what? I'm a capitalist through and through, but 
you know, for small businesses, any business, man, you got to be agile. Things are changing. You can't expect it's going to be the way it was. You know, you've got to recognize that more people are going to be working from home. People are afraid to go into group situations. We're going to have to reinvent until we get a vaccine. Businesses like the Mavs are going to have to reinvent how we do business, you know, broadcasting games without fans, when we can have fans, how are we going to do it so it's safe and people have confidence? And then, you know, on a bigger picture, with 36, 37, 38 million people unemployed now, man, the government's got to do something, right? Historically, like in 2008, 2009, we did the trickle down thing and it worked not great, but it worked. Now we got to do the trickle up thing, right? You, you don't just all of a sudden say, just let, you know, the American way entrepreneurs start 38 million, you know, create 38 million jobs that we're going to create over the next three years, because that's never going to happen, right? The most jobs that have been created under uh, in the last four years is like 312,000 in a month. So you, you extrapolate that out, it's going to take forever. So I think we're going to have to have the government get involved as much as that bothers me. It's, it's the right thing to do. Creating jobs that do tracking and tracing and testing and, you know, elderly care, taking, helping out people who can't take care of, of themselves and are, you know, at risk of, of the virus. And so those are millions of jobs that we need to create as a government. So those two things together, the government help, you know, reduce unemployment and entrepreneurs doing their thing, coming up with new ways to create jobs, creating new opportunities, recognizing that business is going to change and creating great new companies that we never knew would exist. I mean, those two things together get us out of this mess. Let's go! <laughs> oh. Hey, you need to do it in four years. I know your kids probably aren't going to be happy about it. You need to do it in four <laughs> years. So let's talk about something you are directly uh, involved with, and you mentioned it there about arenas and stadiums without fans. The Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith just came out and said, for his 105,000-seat stadium, they figured out a way to put 22,000 to 50,000 people in it with guidelines that I assume that you and the committee have put in there. What are the guidelines? Guidelines, what are the steps and can anybody be certain about anything at this point? So first, no one can be certain about anything right now, man. That's that's the scary part, right? We don't know, you know, no one it's like this thing changes every day and we learn something new every day. So you ha you have to build that in. Um, but in terms of how do you fit as the most amount of people, kind of the way we're looking at it, and we're this is all just planning and evaluating. It's not anything written in stone, you know. People live in little quarantine groups, right? You live with your family or you've got your roommates. We're going to try to get those groups together and allow them to come into the arena together. And so once we can confirm that the McAfee family or the Cuban family and there's five of them or you might have 12 roommates living in a house, right? Those 12 people who are already quarantined together, once we can confirm those groups, then we can sit them as a group in the stadiums or arenas and then, you know, create space, social distance around them. And then if the testing gets real good and we're, not, we're still unsure about the testing and that, that's part of the problem. But then when the testing gets real good, then we can start saying, OK, the McAfee and the Cuban family, you guys are close. Why don't you let us quarantine you together? We'll pick you up on a bus, bring you to the game. And now we've got 30 people that we have in a group and we do social distancing around them. And then those groups, you know, once we get more confident in the testing, we can put bigger and bigger groups. And then if the, the testing gets good enough, you can test at a game and it's all going to be voluntary. Right. And that's that's the thing I think people get afraid of. Nowhere 
you can't force people to get tracked and traced. No, people aren't going to do that in this country. They got to volunteer and opt in. You can't force people to get tested because people are afraid that the government is going to keep that stuff, right? Yeah. And so it's got to be something where it's voluntary opt in. And once you once you allow that, then you can start growing the groups that go into the arenas and stadiums. That committee you're on with other general managers, and I think Vince McMahon's on there. Dana White's on there. You're on there. Is that yeah. is that a conference? Are you guys zooming Microsoft Teams? Yeah. How many? Have- how many alphas can be on one phone call and get something done? It was interesting, you know, me coming on and, and Dana coming on. And then you had like the get alongs, the, the commissioners of all the different professional sports leagues that are politically correct. You know, so it was interesting, <laughs> but we've only had one call. When, when was it? How long was the call? It was right when all this went down and we, they created the committee, whenever that was. And it was maybe a 30 minute call. That's it. Who was guiding it? Who was running the call? Trump was. The president was. Have you had any conversation with the president since then? No, not since then. But I give him credit, man. He um he assigned somebody in the White House to be my liaison. And so we go back and forth all the time. And it's a good dude that does it. Um, I don't want to put him on blast because he'll get all kinds of crap in the White House. But, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, we talk almost every day, either via email, text, or phone. And I give him my ideas. And, you know, they tell me why I'm wrong. But at least I keep on cranking them out. And at least they tell me. Mark, the rumor that Disney World is the front runner for the NBA to come back, is there a reason why that is the front runner over, front runner over say, Vegas, or they even threw out the Bahamas or, or something yeah, like that? It's a great reason. One, one, it's a good spot. Two, Disney is our big enough, biggest ethnic, effing partner. Of course we're going to partner with them, right? <laughs> that, you know, ABC, ESPN, yeah, they're a partner, and we're going to do everything we can to take care of our partners. And will that be, you said Hotel California, all guys will come in there. Their families will come or no? And are you only expecting this to be a couple weeks? I mean, there's a capacity. You know, the more people you add, the more risk you add as well. And then there's capacity issues. So I don't have an answer for you there. Okay, AJ Hawk, who I host a show in the afternoon with, he wanted me to ask you a question. Uh-huh. If, if you were Robert Kraft... Tom Brady goes up for a free agency here. Would you have stepped in and made sure Tom Brady never leaves your franchise and goes elsewhere? Or is that something you got to keep? Your- Tom. It'd be between me and Tom, right? I'm sure they sat down and talked it out, right? As long as they had a conversation and you were straight up and honest, right? Because sometimes, you know how players are, right? Every guy thinks they're 45 years old. And, you know, if I could just do something to get over this little knee issue, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I'll be back to running four, three forties again. And, and so, um, if they talked it out and, and everybody was understood and they were honest about it, then whatever they came to was cool, right? You know, with us, with Dirk, Dirk knew he was kind of on the decline um, and we knew it, but we wanted to send a message because there, there was no way for us to put a championship team around them. And I wasn't, it's not like in the NBA, you can just go and sign a championship team and say, you know, sorry, Dirk, you know, you'll be the 15th man, but we're signing all these dudes. No, that, you know, I wanted to keep them in, you know, I couldn't win a championship with them the way things were structured. So, you know, we just got on the same page and, and got it right. And as long as Kraft and Brady did the same thing, you just got to live with the results. As somebody who I like the NBA, but I don't know the ins and outs enough to really know this answer. So this might be a dumb question. But now that we're getting into the super team era is how they're describing it. Now, granted, you're putting together some young studs and things of that nature. But do you try to get into those sweepstakes? Like when Kawhi was up, Paul George was up, LeBron was up. Are you trying to pitch as much as you can? You know, it's just like when you're single and you see a hot girl or a hot guy and you just go, hey. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same thing. Yeah, you throw it out there, even though you know the odds are slim. Is that because Dallas, or why is that? Because they're thinking about L.A., or is it because the setup? What? 
just because of circumstances or money. It's, you know, guys sometimes have their mindset on where they want to go or who they want to play with, but you just never know. You know, I mean, we, we've signed guys that we didn't expect to sign and we've lost guys that we thought we would sign. I can't thank you enough for joining us here 20 minutes into this thing. I have no idea if you had a hard out or not, but I have to get a Shark Tank question in or two. Um, yeah, go on. Do you guys get along, you and the rest of the Sharks, or do you hate some of them? No, we get along. I mean, there's times when I hate them. It's just like, you know, you work with somebody 12 hours a day when you're shooting, you get annoyed with anybody, right? You know, Kevin, you know, Mr. Wonderful, he's not so wonderful. He's a dick, but I, I still <laughs> like him. You know? <laughs> you know, and I'm sure I annoy the hell out of them too, but I don't care. Whenever uh, somebody comes in to pitch their company, do you get a feeling that they want to work with you? Because there was one the other night, I guess, where this guy was pitching. I forget what the business was, and it was probably pre-taped or whatever from back ago. He was talking to you, and he was talking, uh, I think, to Dane. I forget who it was. He was looking over everybody. Do you get a feeling like when people walk in, like, okay, this company wants me to be a partner with them? Like Gronk, for instance. When Gronk came in there, they wanted to be a partner with you and A-Rod. Like, that's who they wanted. Do you get that feeling from companies, and then you know that whenever you make the offer to them? Every single one that walks in the door, I get that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's awesome. That is that's a- like. A, a thing for kids, little babies, I'm not into that. Or if it's like a really retail product, then it's going to go to Lori because of QVC and stuff like that. But everybody else, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's mine for the taking. You put a shot clock on some of these people when they have to make the biggest decision of their life. They just start sweating. Is that just for your own enjoyment or is it like, hey, you want to work with me or not? Let's move forward. A little bit of both, right? Because if they're, <laughs> it's hard for them, right? And sometimes when, when people start vacillating back and forth and you can tell, you know, but they're afraid they're going to lose something like and get buyer's remorse or some, you know, they're, they're worried there might be a little bit better offer. It's like, look, either you want to work with me or you don't. And so, you know, on one hand, I just want to get it over with. And the other hand, it makes for good TV too. It is a TV show. They start sweating. Dude Wipes has been quite a success story for you. And that was early in this entire thing. What are some of the things they do behind the tank and all that stuff? What are a couple companies that you've invested in that have had success? You're like, damn, I did not expect them to go the way they've gone. Um, There was a company called um, um, Cycloramic. So what Cycloramic did was it was an app that you put on your iPhone 5. This was, you know, five years, six years back. And the iPhone 5 had a flat bottom, right? So you could just stand it up straight and it would use the um, sensors in it to make it turn and create a panoramic picture. Well, we sold a boatload of the app at like a buck each and that got us our money back. But then the iPhone changed the way they look, right? And it's changed every year. So I thought, okay, these guys are toast. But um, to, the, to the guy's credit, um, the CEO, they pivoted to get into the, the car business where they used that same technology and they went to car companies that sold cars online and said, okay, now you can take a panoramic look of the car. Exactly right. And then two years ago, they sold it to Carvana for a boatload of money. <laughs> and that Carvana stock has gone up from like 20 to 90. So that turned it in from a $20 million deal to like an enormous damn deal. <laughs> Put the and, number on it. Put the number on it. What was the number? Um, I think now it, it's worth like my part is worth like 20 million. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good for you, Mark. I can't thank you enough. When you run for president, we can't wait to help you win. Uh, you're a legend, man. A Yinzer legend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Hey, and we're not done trying to buy the dirty O, man. Did you ever go to the dirty O when you were? Oh, yeah, yeah, in Oakland. Absolutely. You're going to put well, that thing back. So they closed. They closed. Right. Yeah. And so- go out there trying to figure out a way to buy it it's not over yet for all those pittsburghers Love out there that. oh you're gonna go save it you're gonna be like a pittsburgh uh, little hero here 
I'm trying. It's a long shot. They're making it hard, bro. They're making it hard. <laughs> close. It's easy. Just sell me this stuff. And they're like, yeah, they're over negotiating. So we'll see what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Cuban. Yeah! Yeah! You guys best, man. You're- but now, Pat, after seeing you, I got to go lift. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been in the middle of a little bodybuilder run here because I'm trying to not be as fat. I like sandwiches. We're from Pittsburgh. I like to eat, so it's a problem. Primanis, baby. Primanis. Hey, you're damn right. And uh, obviously, the first move to do whenever you have Mark Cuban on the show is pitch a company. So uh, if you would like to own a little bit of PMI, uh, 10000000 10%. Let's move forward. (laughs) You saw the Rogan deal. You saw the Barstool deal. You saw the Simmons deal. Let's what did you say? The connection's bad. I can't. This oh, 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 oh. Hey, don't worry. With our investment, we'll be able to fix your tech. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Mark. Oh, that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. Hey, guys. Thank you. See you, Mark. You're the best. Hello. You're watching McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. I am the first half of that. Pat McAfee sitting to my left, your right, the handsome national champion, Super Bowl champion, coming to you live from a closet in Jordy Nelson's house, AJ Hawk. What's happening, man? It's good to, to be here. I got my little rogue setup. I'm good to go. It seems like everything's going okay. You know what I enjoy about you the most? What's that? So, as we've gotten into this, you've started to pay attention to other daily sports shows just to kind of see what they're like, you know, and the whole thing. And with a lot of this quarantine, a lot of shows have been set up in this particular fashion with home setups and stuff like that. Your biggest takeaway at the beginning of this quarantine was the lack of quality that everybody had whenever they were public. They wouldn't have a microphone or they'd be tapping the microphone or something would happen. So literally before we got on air here, you worrying about whether or not you sounded good or not all goes back to you watching those other shows and being so mad about it. Is that accurate? Yeah, and I, I'm not worried about like my voice. I just don't want to sound super echoey and weird. And, and believe me, there's we'll see how how this goes. I'm in, I'm currently in a closet of a bedroom here at Jordy Nelson's sister's house, where he is staying while his house is being built. We drove to Kansas with four kids yesterday in a uh, conversion van that my sister-in-law let us use, and we went straight through. Everything went great, and then now I tried to just find a, a tiny speck of quiet space to do the show today. <laughs> Because there's seven kids out there, and Jordy would come on the show today, but our wives are gone working on his new house because my wife has been uh, working with them from the beginning as an interior designer. So Jordy's watching his three kids and my four kids right now, so he can't come out today, but tomorrow he said he'll jump in. <laughs> Poor Jordy. So you hopped in Brady Quinn's, you hopped in Brady Quinn's conversion van from Columbus, Ohio. Drove- Brady's sister, their youngest sister, has a van that yeah, let us use it. Okay, so you drive from Columbus, Ohio to Kansas. How long is that? 16, 17? Uh, it took us about 13. <laughs> Four kids. Now you're Jordy Nelson's sister's house? Yeah, he's staying with his sister while he is building uh, a cool house here. My wife's an interior designer. She's been working with them from the beginning. So she had to come out here, and we're like, all right, well, kids' virtual schooling is over. Let's make a road trip of it. So here we are. So Jordy Nelson is apparently a guy that you have kept in contact with since your time in Green Bay. It feels like everybody loves Jordy Nelson except for who? Gunther Kutz. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, I think they, they definitely should have kept him around. But Jordy has no hard feelings. He's such a good dude. But yeah, everyone does like Jordy. He's that kind of guy. He's just a laid-back good dude that can run a four-two-five forty. He's still in pretty good shape, huh? Probably if he had to go out there and play. I mean, he looks like he could play right now. 
Like, we'll see. We'll ask him tomorrow when he comes on the show, but I don't know. Jordy Nelson's coming on the show? Yeah, he said tomorrow. Just right before I closed myself in this closet and began to sweat because it's 830 degrees in here. <laughs> I, I ran out to the kitchen while Jordy was making grilled cheese for everybody, oh, all the little ones. Smart. I said, hey, man, I know today we can't do it because a kid might fall off the roof and get hurt or something with no supervision, but tomorrow... When the wives are here, can you jump on the show? He's like, yeah, sure. No yeah! Problem. Yeah! I want to ask him about every single time he went to a new team and he ran, the reaction from the rest of the team about a white man being as fast as Jordy Nelson is. I, I would like to know his reaction throughout his life whenever he would get on. They just ran another clip. Um, uh, there was a Penn State DB who ran a 4-3 or something like that. And Deion Sanders was at the combine. Deion Sanders was on the microphone. And he was like, oh, this guy's fast. And I think uh, Mike Mayock goes, uh, does that surprise you or something? He goes, yeah. And Mike Mayock says, why'd you say that or something? And Deion goes, you know why I said that. I can't say it on air right now, but this guy can run, run. And it is always nice when the Caucasian race has a guy that can go out there and get it. And Jordy Nelson was always one of those dudes. He was just like deceptively fast. And mm -hmm. that means... Uh, he's a white guy who can run really fucking fast. And everybody that's talked about him likes him. And I, that just seems like a guy that I would enjoy having a conversation with. Speaking of guys that I enjoy having conversations with, I think we have a new real friend of the show. I assume we can get him on this show at some point. Mark Cuban joined my show earlier. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, AJ, might have been my finest work yet. I caught a real little bit of the end. I'm going to go back and, and watch the whole thing when I do get a chance. But, hey, congrats, man. He seemed like he was really excited to be there. He's wearing a cutoff as well. Like, you guys are boys. Like did, I know you both have that Pittsburgh connection, but it was it was cool to see, man. Look at you. You're all grown up. He called me a badass diner. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. at, like, what was he referring to? Well, I said he was rewarding bad behavior because he only came on the show because I misquoted him or whatever. And he said, no, no, that wasn't the only reason why. I think you're a badass. I was like, okay, fucking A, me and Mark Cuban, best friends. I knew it. I knew it. He talked Are about you on a text chain with him? Uh, no. Well, email chain. It was a deep email chain, too. I, I'd never seen him start stacking up on top of each other like that. I guess, I guess that's the corporate world where if you don't have the phone number, like text messages would normally happen. Instead, emails start happening. One question, one answer. Oh, shit, I didn't read the second email that came through with already the answer to that one. So now i got to ask a follow-up question. There was probably... 10 emails exchanged this morning, I would assume, to make sure we got this thing locked in. I was usually in the morning shits. I scan through the internet and do that whole thing. This morning it was like, okay, we've promoted for the first time ever, basically, that we have a guest coming on the show. Now let's figure out how the hell we actually get him on the show. And his team, by the way, was fantastic. And when he joined us, we talked about everything, man. And his, he's on that committee about reopening sports back up. And the way he described how it'll go makes a lot of sense. It makes me feel like we will not see an entire season of anything without fans. It feels like they have the gradual steps, if need be, to open stadiums and arenas back up. And what he said was, you would, since he knows that the Hawk family, for instance, has been quarantining together, they can sit in an arena or stadium together, and then you keep them sequestered from another group that has been together, right? Let's say uh, the McAfee's now. My family is here. We're together here. Then you got the, the DeGilio's. And then as you move forward now, you hope that you can get two groups who've been together. When testing comes together, you could test both groups. It's like, okay, now two groups are together and sequestered, then bigger groups, and it kind of opens up as the testing goes. And I feel like that is a 
smart idea i think it's a good idea and also it's a very optimistic thought that although it might look weird at the beginning like for instance at ohio state uh, the athletic director gene smith came out and said we can fit 22 to 50,000 people and i said that's quite a big fucking range to put in there that's like the cable company say we'll be here 7 a.m to 6 30 p.m like that's a pretty big window there it makes a lot more sense now though because probably early everybody will have to sit alone and then they'll be bringing people together more and that's how the number grows and i think it's uh I think it was a nice little piece of information to hear. And for me, it feels really good to hear that. So what? how do you, when, when more testing comes along, like what does Mark Cuban say? Like if it, let's say you can get two groups, like the, the McAfee family and the Hawk family want to go to a game. Obviously you guys can sit together, but this, I don't know if this would ever happen, but maybe. So <laughs> like let's it. say with what they test us all, if they have instant like testing where they know right away. So we get tested at the door and like, okay, Hey, you guys are cool to sit together. Yeah. And then he even said something about like, you guys ride in together with like a bus or something. It becomes like a part of the ticket is like your drive and your travel goes in together as well. I would, you need to open, like we need to open a logistics company oh. that finds a way to put all of these people together and all the steps, because that seems so so overwhelming to think about. So there's a chicken limo company here in Indianapolis. <laughs> they got a few chicken. I, the logistics company, that's not something I'm good at. I, I don't handle the logistics well. But we should open a like a bigger a limo company. Because if people are going to be grouped together, and that's going to be a part of the ticketing thing. Sprinter van. A sprinter yes. van Comfort company. Yeah. There's not a lot here. Not a lot here in Indianapolis. I've looked. I've looked. There's Let's open those up. Let's go down da- Dallas, open up a couple. Get, mm-hmm. And then you get a contract with the team, I'd assume, that it just comes with the ticket deal, and then they pay you for it. That seems like the business to get into. How do we How do we take this information we just found out and profit off of it? <laughs> I think this is how you do it. I think this is how the billionaires of the world do it. I'm happy we figured this out. Yeah, and, and why, is, uh, why is Gene Smith, Ohio State's athletic director, why – why did his comments come out where he said we could be anywhere from 20 and then maybe up to 40 or 50K in our stadium that seats 102, 105? Are any other ADs coming out, or is he just wanting to give his opinion? I would assume he did some – see, that's not the proper – that tweet is – that's not the proper tweet. We did that on the first show, too, and, and it just – we can't – we just can't do that, you know, because it's not accurate. I understand that was the graphic we put together. And maybe that's Please accurate. Than our, Can I see the tweet? Well, the tweet says twenty to 30,000, but then this morning on Pro Football Talk, Florio and Sims said twenty-two to 50,000. So you're just saying, like, did he come out and do an interview or whatever? I have no idea where these numbers are coming from. I just see these numbers happen, and then I try to take them completely out of context and figure out why they're saying <laughs> what they're saying. And that's how I've gotten this far. So, I mean, we're just trying to do what we got to do. But how do you pick the 20? How do I pick the t- How do you pick the 20,000 that get to come? Yeah, I don't know. Who's better? I don't know who gets first rights out of the season ticket holders. What if you buy you buy a ticket but then you fail a test? Does that ticket go back into sale? <laughs> yeah. You know, like how is there like a waiting dock? Like people are like, okay, if anybody I'm just waiting for somebody to leave the club so I can go in the club. You're counting the amount of heads, you're like they're at capacity. How many people gotta get corona for me to get in here? That is kind of what would people would you could, go oldest season ticket holder? So, like, in order? Because obviously there has to be records of, like, oldest? how long you oldest? Can't have old people. Longest, not oldest, no. but longest. Sorry, sorry. Longest, longest yeah. season ticket order. Because Mark Cuban did say that the reason why the NBA Biodome is probably going to be happening in Orlando as opposed to Las Vegas, which said they would like it. Uh, also, I think um, – who else said they would like it? Uh 
for the bio for the bio Colorado or you somebody else said it Las Vegas said it somebody else said it but Orlando is probably going to be the case because Disney are massive partners with the NBA uh Mark Cuban said ABC ESPN Disney is one of our biggest partners of course we're going to do business with our partners and that type of stuff I assume the ticketing is the same exact way like the people that have been season ticket holders the longest they get the first right but those things have stayed in families are they saying okay yeah you can get it but you have to send somebody under the age of 50 because we know that over the age of 60 or whatever it is is at risk Uh, there's still the logistics that have to get fucking figured out in this whole thing um gene gene smith did send out a tweet said just want to clarify the number of fans we could host in ohio stadium this fall under physical distance guidelines could be as low as twenty-two thousand, but also maybe as many as 40 to fifty thousand if guidelines are relaxed and what we heard from the rollout process here from Mark Cuban, a couple people together, more people together, more people together. What are we doing? We got more monkeys in the bed. And the other one mm-hmm. said, don't get Corona. <laughs> don't get Corona. That's what's happening, I think. And good for Gene Smith to having to go out there and speak. But all of these representatives from colleges, whether it's commissioners or ADs or chancellors or whatever it was, they all end up having to backpedal. Everything they say, everything they say, they have to clarify afterwards. The commissioner of, uh, I think the SEC, Greg, had to do it. The commissioner of the Big 12 was speaking today. Everybody has had to come out at one point after they speak that's involved in a position of power in the NCAA and be like, what I meant was, obviously, if everybody's unified and safe, we'll be able to. So I don't think anybody's going to be speaking for a little bit when it comes to the college football world because nobody has a clue what's going to happen. Exactly. And I, I mean, coaches obviously don't know. They're not saying a whole lot for, for, I mean, it's rightfully so. I, yeah, I just, so if he says as low as 20K, possibly as high as 40 to 50 in the stadium, like, what do you think the state, a stadium that holds almost 105,000 people, what do you think it feels and looks like with 20,000 people there? Well, like, just go down the Jaguars. But <laughs> the, um, the question is, the question is those smaller stadiums. Those smaller smaller college stadiums that have like 30,000, maybe like Cincinnati, I think, has 40,000. You start doing the math and the equivalency there, 20,000 is what Gene Smith said of 105,000. What's that, one-fifth of the amount? So you do the 40,000 thing. What is that, 8,000 people or whatever? You start doing the math there. I mean, it's going to be a whole different – you got to think about all that stuff. I don't know. It would be very – What do you do for games like stadiums say it seats – 25,000 and we say all right hey we can have 5,000 fans and they some of those schools where they can't find 5,000 fans that want to come to a game that's going to happen well then they'll just say well we had a line but uh, it turns out uh, 4,000 people had coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) you know there's always some there has to be some spin zone but he mentioned uh, Cuban also mentioned that um, some people are going to be scared to go back in the public you know, so that could affect a Absolutely. lot of sport yeah. live events. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know if those numbers are inflated of people that are that are potentially going to be scared of things. I don't know because I think a lot of people that I'm around are like excited to get back for a nice clean dap up with people. You know, humans are a social animal. That's just what I, I think there's a lot of people that are ready. But I do think you have to account for the potential of people being scared as hell to go into public places again. Yeah, you do. And are they going to say, did Cuban mention anything about having to wear a mask or anything if you come to these games? No, and he said it was volunteers, the testing, obviously. So I would assume, obviously, it's volunteer. You bought the tickets. And if you know that this is going to happen when you get the tickets, yeah. you, it's a volunteer. I wonder why he said that. Somebody had to have Who come pays, out. Who's paying for this testing, though, on site? I would assume it would be the leagues, right? Probably be the leagues. Yeah, I guess it would be up to either the league or the school. 
that or has is it to have that many tests in place and ready. Oh, they'll try to make the county pay for it, though, huh? They'll try to make the county or the state pay for it for sure. Like, hey, this is Medical. obviously a necessity. Wait, because think of the schools aren't going to do it because they're like, hey, you know how much money, millions and millions of dollars we're losing by not having a full stadium? Like, we can't, on top of that, pay for these tests. It's got. It's going to be government-given, I assume. Are marching bands dead now for college? Because, I mean, if, they're, if they have to reserve spots in the stands... For fans, they're not going to account for marching bands. He graduated from college, by the way. That's why he's got his cap and gown on. Congratulations, Connor. Proud of you. Thank you. Did you just graduate? Yes, sir. No. no. He graduated a couple years ago. and nobody really Connor, knows. how old are you? You, you could be 19 or you could be 48. Exactly. I'm <laughs> still wondering. Still wondering myself. Good. Keep it that way. Keep it mysterious. Uh, but the marching band, I mean, they have to sit together. That is a part of the marching band is you sit together. Because when you're sitting together, there's somebody up in the front that does the whole, they got dances and shit. Have yeah. you seen? I've never, I sat directly behind the Georgia band, right? Was it the Georgia band? Is that who I was behind at yes. that SEC game? Yep. I sat directly behind the Georgia band and then the student section. They were in the same spot and I was sitting <clears throat> in a suite right behind them so i literally got like yeah no i mean deal, right? no big deal i was looking down on them <laughs> looking down on them how's it going down there but i got a chance to see the entire operation for the first time like front row view this whole thing they got dances and choreographed like fucking movements that are happening in the stands not only not only the band but the students had they had a leader student up on a ladder up in the front yeah. and then the band person was up on a ladder in the front and they were doing like dancing it was like a tiktok video at all time it's very intriguing that'll be lost in college sports for know. a little bit the no. and i am sad about it well, couldn't they have the band? It, okay, well, yeah. Has the band been? They haven't been practicing, so you can't say that. Hey, we're they're good. They've been together for throughout oh. the whole quarantine because they haven't been practicing. So you couldn't like put them up in the nosebleeds and say, hey, they don't count against our twenty-five k max. Well, the people are going to have to be up in the nosebleeds. Everybody? No, I think you're going to have to be right. Well, because you got to systematically spread them out. But like, let's say you have 20,000 20, fans at Ohio Stadium that seats one hundred and two, one hundred and five thousand. You can put them all in the lower bowl and still have them distance pretty good. Well, if you could do that, then the number would go up because they would use the upper bowl. Like, how much is it more than six feet between these fans? I don't know. I don't think anybody knows shit about anything anymore, but I would assume that that is the case. Every other row, maybe. Uh, but I'm assuming his numbers were accounting for the entire state, including. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You know, what I mean? use the whole thing. Yeah. People are going to be at the top row, too. I mean, they're going to be because oh, yeah. they're going to have to be as far as they possibly can. Get in the club line right there. That's exactly what they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Man, and there's not a whole lot of time. What is the date today? May 21st. 100 days. 100 days till college football is supposed to kick off. Just like MLB, they got like three, four weeks, allegedly. They're supposed to. They have to get governors, mayors, players. They got to get it. Bars, you got to get everybody. I was, bars too, but I was talking about bars as in rhyming. But the, you got to get everybody on board here in three to four weeks. That's a lot of moving parts and a lot yeah. of hard heads that are going to have to come to become cooler heads to prevail. I don't. It seems like we are up against a shot clock that is tick 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 ticking away at the moment. What about hockey? And you guys may know. Don't they have a plan to kind of stay like regional and play do the playoffs? They're always hockey's been regional since the beginning. They don't really have a I, national But I'm saying, audience. like, won't they, like, do, like clusters of wrong. teams play in one area for the playoffs or something? Uh, Pittsburgh Penguins are going to play. 
uh, from what I've been told. Yeah, they're working on a Where 24 the- team tournament that's going to take place in hub cities. I don't know how many. I think they're thinking of two. So they might have a group in one and a group in the other. Edmonton is actually presenting tonight because they've got, uh, as they uh, quote, a secure place. Uh, a golf course, cool temps in the summertime, which normally no one would want to spend any elongated period of time in Edmonton, but uh, it might not be a bad idea in late summer. Jesus. Did right. it, That's like, I mean, it's the true thing. Free agents don't want to go there. It's at Nick Moraldo, there, host of That's Hockey Talk, big time hockey fan, breaking down some rumors and reports. So the bio. Not a big Edmonton fan, by the way, it no. sounds like. What's that? He's not a big Edmonton, Edmonton yeah, I, fan. I don't know why Edmonton deserved what you just said right there. I mean, Edmonton and Winnipeg Calgary? for years right, have been Calgary? the place free agents don't want to go because there's not much to do there. Okay, so they're doing the biodome thing that Hotel California is how Mark Cuban described it is you could check in, but you will never leave or whatever, right? So I would assume that just like hockey has the Frozen Four, what do you get? You have those two places, and then you'll have one of them will host the Final Four probably? Yeah, the way they're thinking of it is a 24-team tournament, and then they'll whittle that down into the 16 playoff teams. Or they could just do a tournament for the Cup. A lot of guys were calling it the COVID Cup. It doesn't seem like they want to do that, but they might be forced to. There, there's not a lot of hockey conversation uh, ever, but there hasn't been much hockey talk coming out of this quarantine. And I think they are potentially much further along than a lot of other sports. And the NHL could come out of nowhere and really make a big run at setting the blueprint on how to get back into arenas. NASCAR's having quite an uptick here with this COVID-19. I've been glued to the screen for some of these NASCAR races, and I've never done that in my entire life. It's almost better without the crowd. And that sounds bad, especially because I know there's a lot of fans that like to get wasted drunk at these races. But it's almost better without the fans. It feels like it's not missing anything. Why, why do you think it's better without the fans? I think it's just quieter so you hear the... <laughs> and somebody tweeted me this from the morning show when I said this. They said maybe drivers are being a little bit more aggressive because they know that if their car gets flipped up over the fucking fence, there's no... Smart. kids to die Smart. so maybe the racing is better because they're getting a little bit more aggressive and kyle bush ran chase elliott right in the water mm-hmm. and then the double birds came flying out and uh i think that's what nascar needs a little professional wrestling some incredible talent some good sound which is what they got and electricity and uh i've been watching the shit out of some nascar aj what about your boy larson has he been re-signed yet i have noticed that the kyle larson list nascar has been doing very well. Yeah. 6.3 million viewers on Sunday. Won the weekend without Kyle Larson. Last night, I'm not sure Kyle Larson raced. I think he's still out uh, indefinitely, I believe. Their numbers are going to be up. So I don't know how they did it without him, but they have really moved on, uh, which is probably the right move. Uh, Dallas Cowboys. Chris Sims uh, from Pro Football Talk and Unbuttoned Podcast. Playing the NFL for a little bit. Um, he has said that the Cowboys offered Dak a five-year, $175 million deal. Uh, the issue between Dak and the Cowboys allegedly has always been the difference between a four and a five-year deal because he would like to hit free agency again, especially as the market is going up. His answer in return to the five-year, $175 million offer was, well, then I want my fifth year, the final year of this contract, to be worth $45 million, which is $10 million more than the average it is right now. And I think the reasoning for that is he wants to be a free agent after four years. 
He wants the free agent money that his next contract will probably gain with market share and what the quarterbacks are at that point. He wants $45 million for his fifth year. If you want to lock me down for five years, cool, but I only want four, and if the, if it's going to be the fifth year, I want it to be my first year what my next contract's probably going to be worth, which is $45 million. We have no idea what the guarantees are, but this feels like something that is not going to get done anytime soon. $45 million in your final year is not normally good sound business because you could become a cap casualty, so you have to see how much of this is guaranteed you got to see if he wants to get cut or if he wants this to be the first year of a new deal that he's already been eyeballing what what i was actually i'm more inclined to think that they're going to make something happen because if that's the only stumbling block like the fifth year where he say he wants 45 mil i can see them finding a way to to meet in the middle on that and if he does want to become a cap casualty if he wants to say like how do you turn a five-year deal into a four you back end the fifth year and put a ton of money there so the team is forced to cut you or tear up your contract and renegotiate a new three- or four-year extension. Like So that's how you could kind of get around it. So for Dak, I understand, hey, what's what's better than two deals, three deals? I want to get to free agency again when the cap has gone up even more. So I understand what he's doing. But I think the fact that they're offering to make him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL right now until Patrick Mahomes signs – I think it's a good sign for the Cowboys that Dak, they're, they're going to find a way to make this happen. It definitely showcases that all along, Jerry Jones has been 100% accurate whenever he was saying, I love Dak Prescott. There was always the conversation that came out. It's like, if you love Dak Prescott, then pay the man. If you love Dak Prescott, why are you signing the wide receiver, offensive line, uh, linebacker, running back? Why are you bring, Why are you doing all this if you love the quarterback? Sign the quarterback. Why are you signing a backup quarterback for three? Sign Dak Prescott. It's like, and Jerry got sick of it. He's like, listen. Will somebody fucking tell everybody that I offered this guy 175 million American dollars? Will somebody say it? Chris Sims, will you say this, please? He says it out there. How do you look at a five-year $175 million deal and say no? I don't know how you do it. I have no idea. I don't think I'd be able to do it. A five-year $175 million, I wouldn't be able to turn down a one-year $32 million deal. I would not be able to turn down a lot of other stuff. Five-year, $175 million deal. This is 100% the Cowboys saying, we have tried our absolute best to get Dak Prescott this long-term deal. We are tired of hearing that we're not giving our best effort. Uh, and now will Dak sign this? You think that this is something they'll easily get done. I think that is quite a number there to have in year five. I'll be excited to see if they can work through it because it feels like they have been negotiating here. Right? If we already know what Dak's looking for and we already know what the Cowboys have offered, it seems like they've been having a little bit of conversation. I'm not sure if it gets done, to be honest. I think there's a chance this franchise tag gets. I mean, yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I, I don't know anything going on between Dak's agent and, uh, and the Cowboys, but if your average per year is 35 mil, like that's a great starting point for Dak. Now, I guess what you have to figure out is what is what is the language like? Like where does is it one of those deals where the team can get out after two years? Where it's a five year deal, but ultimately it's really a two year prove it deal and if the team wants to get out they can cut bait and they only paid you seventy mil through the first two years or three years, whatever it is, and if you turn out to not be the answer. It's like deals they give to quarterbacks that are like, Okay, yeah, you're a franchise guy, kind of, but we are protecting ourselves and in two or three years, if you don't, you're not who we think you are. We can let you go. Yeah, the guarantees definitely have to be discussed. You know, where's the guaranteed money? When are they trying to do whatever? I just, I don't know. I don't know how. At some point, and I don't know if Jerry's allowed to do this. You might know better than me. Is Jerry allowed to just go around the agent and call Dak and be like, 
175 million fucking dollars, dude. 100. We might not have any fans in the stands next year. We have no idea how much money we're going to have in 2021. 175 and you're going to be the Cowboys quarterback, which means you're going to get a lot of you this is going to be over 200 million dollars in the next 5 years. You're still going to be able to play quarterback. Look at Drew, look at Tom, look at Aaron. You're still going to be able to do it. Like what what do you think Jerry ever does that? Now, hey, I don't try to get in anybody's business, okay? If Dak thinks he wants more and deserves more, hey, you do what you got to do because there's going to come a time where I think I deserve more and I hope everybody feels the same way. Like, go get your monies. Go get all your monies that you have to get. But man, $175 million. If that isn't just a scam, bogus, inflated number that doesn't have a lot of guarantees in it, which does happen in the NFL. If that isn't just a complete bullshit, inflation, fake number, then I don't know how you say, I don't know how you say none of that. Where do you draw you the line? Say no. We don't know he's saying no. He could have just countered. It's not saying no. True, but there has been no deal done. Where do you draw the line? So like Wentz and Goff and now Dak, it's like after their rookie contract, they all want to be paid as the highest quarterback. Like when are they going to – when is a team going to draw the line and be like, maybe get paid as like the 10th highest quarterback because that's where we see you at. Like, the NFLPA won't let them do it. It won't even happen. And I brought this up whenever Luck was going to about to be up as a free agent. And Ursay had been saying for like two years, uh, brother, we may look the highest paid quarterback, brother. This guy's the franchise. Like he said that for a long time. And I always thought that Luck, because he was such a humble, nice, like he was kind of a hipster. He rode his bike. He had a flip phone. I always thought like, hey, maybe Luck will be a guy that'll be, especially with the ass beating he took there the first couple of years. Maybe he'll be like, hey, don't pay me as much. Let's put some money into the offensive line here, okay? Let's try to build this team up a little bit. And I said that publicly. I said that out loud, like, in the locker room. I was like, hey, you think there's any chance it looks like, you know what, I'm tired of getting my dick kicked in every single week. Why don't I just take a little bit less money? Let's bring in some offensive line guys. Like, let's seal this thing up. And then I was told quickly, like, can't do it. And I was like, why? He's like, well, if he does it, then the next quarterback has to do it. Then the next quarterback has to do it. Then the next quarterback has to do it. And there's no chance that the NFLPA will even let him think about doing that, even if he wanted to do it. And I was like, damn. What about Tom Brady? Like, well, he's already rich. He's already got his money because Tom Brady used to take those pay cuts. So I don't know if that's even possible that any player will ever do that. I don't know if they're even allowed to by the NFLPA, to be honest. Well, and your agent, like no agent wants to be that guy. that's like, oh, yeah, I got an under market value deal. For my guy like nobody that's not a great selling point when the agent's trying to recruit the future franchise quarterbacks coming out of college like you can't say hey what happened with andrew like oh well andrew just wanted he didn't really care he was a humble guy he wanted less money like that's not something agents want to see. but if you're an agent you go you know we structured a deal for andrew that made him a winner that made him a champion that made his his playing days longer and extended his career and we actually got him more marketing money because we won i mean there's a way for a bullshit artist to sell that however yeah, but Pat, what's what you're not thinking about is the other agent that's going to step in and annihilate that deal and prove and show you the numbers and show you what he should have gotten and then that next player that's thinking about who to sign with he really has to make a decision i hate that there's a non-compete like uh, the NFLPA has made a rule that agents can't, if you're signed to an agency, another agent can't come in and recruit you. And I think that's bullshit. I think that's complete garbage. If I'm doing business with somebody and there's somebody else that wants to take me out to dinner and tell me why their business is better, why are you affecting my business? I'm allowed to make my own business decision. Because there's, for every good agent out there, there's probably what? 
a couple bad ones. There's some bad agents that have snuck their way in and got NFLPA certified, and guys are locked in, and you don't talk business in the locker room much. That's not really something that's talked about. So you have no idea what another agent is potentially available or capable of doing for you because you're locked in with this one agent who's just telling you bullshit. I hate that rule so, so much. I had to fire a bunch because I wanted to just have dinners with other people. I was like, all right, well, we're not doing business because I know this isn't working. I like you, but I'm going to go hear what this person says. And then it's like, well, that person stinks too. I'm going to go do this conversation. It, but when I, when I was signed to an agent, I wasn't allowed to learn if there was better agents out there. And I think that's kind of, if you're looking out for somebody's best interest, I don't, I don't think that's good. But I think you're looking out for the agent there. Well, normally too, if you, let's say you have an agent and he, he works and he signs you, uh, you get signed to a four-year deal that your agent worked it all out. If you fire him after two years, you still have to pay that agent for the final two years of that contract. Which, by the way, they did the work on the contract. So I get it. I've had to pay a couple agents that I wasn't working for with. I, by the way, agents work for you working with. Yes. You get it. But, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be possible just strictly because there's a lot of outside factors that say no way. But the rest of the roster, I would assume, uh, views this very much like me and wishes that the quarterbacks had their own salary cap so they couldn't because the salary cap gets bigger and the only thing that happens is quarterback contracts get bigger that's that's all that happens and everybody else kind of gets kind of clipped at the knees to be honest with you so it's like at what point do we put the quarterbacks in their own world and everybody else in their own thing because that seems like that would make the most sense i'm not 100 percent. do you think it's a detriment to the league already in the fact that it does do that because like you look at the rams like it's potential that this jared goff deal is going to like set them back like five years and and destroy the window that they created to win that's their fault though that's the rams fault if it does destroy that window it's but that's not what he's saying like fault. would the would the quarterback thing as its own world right maybe it was tears or something of that nature if that was in place would the Rams still be able to have a team around Goff as opposed to – but what everybody else would say is, yeah, they made a mistake in doing that sign, the way they structured that deal and the way they structured other deals because they had the highest-paid running back, they had the highest-paid wide receiver, they had the highest-paid quarterback at one point. Tackle. So the way the, so the way they structured the deal was a bad deal, which is what people would say that's a competitive disadvantage for you that you got a guy that can't do it. But I think a lot of other people like Ty and other players are like, well, if we could just put quarterbacks in their own world. Now, granted, you can't have the highest paid D tackle, highest paid running back, and highest paid wide receiver on it. You just can't. That's not going to be able to work. But I think it would help a little bit settle the differences there. So if they were in like their own category, like quarterbacks, so say there's like a salary cap that you can have a lot of the quarterback that's completely separate from the rest of the team. Yeah, and I think it's like um, – I think it's tiered too. So the team, if you're going to be a free agent quarterback, uh, like we're a team we want to go, we want to put you in uh, the tier two. And the tier two is whatever's already been negotiated from NFLPA and its agents in the NFL for what quarterback tiers would be for that year. So maybe it's tier two is $28 million a year, Twenty. $27 million a year. Tier one, $35 million a year. So if you want to, if you meet with a quarterback, you're like, hey, we put you at a tier one quarterback. Okay, or tier two quarterback. Then you have another team that's like, we put you at tier one. It's like, all right, now do I want to go with the tier two or tier one? And then bang, that deal is already negotiated. It doesn't even fuck up the salary cap. And I think that can go up. I think that can go up as the salary cap goes up. But I think it should be its own pool. I honestly do because I respect and love quarterbacks getting all the monies i like everybody getting all the monies i want everybody to be a billionaire i would love for every single human to become a billionaire it takes a lot of work doesn't happen 
Not a lot of people are cut out for it. Who knows if everybody in this room, anybody be cut. But I want everybody to get as much money as possible. Okay? But whenever something relies on a cap and a fund, when one person on team takes a lot of fund, you got a lot of other people that are making a living or trying to that are kind of getting kicked in the dick. And I think the tier thing would be able to fix all that. Yeah, it would. But then all of a sudden, a guy like Patrick Mahomes comes around. He's like, hey. This tier one money is not enough for what I can do. I do things that you guys have never seen before. I already won a Super Bowl this past year. I'm I'm above tier one. Like, what do you do to that? Yeah, I don't know. Can he negotiate with the team itself and it doesn't directly affect the salary cap then? That would have to be something that you would have to figure out, I guess. Can you give a percentage of the team to a quarterback? There was a thought that when Peyton was a free agent that there were some teams that were like, we'll give you a percentage of the team. And everybody's like, well, how does that fall into the salary cap? That's too much of the salary cap. Like, maybe that's its own thing. But then I that think gets Pete a- Rose got offered part of the team. When he was he went to the Phillies or, I don't know, whenever he was a free agent, supposedly, a couple teams offered him, like, equity in their team and some ownership of the teams. I don't know if he got it or not, though. Who's that? Pete Rose. Oh, no. Charlie Hustle. Uh-oh. Oh man, I should have known baseball. <laughs> We're a big baseball show. Yeah, I know. I can't bring up baseball. T- take a good hard cut. I'm gonna see you take a nice swing. I can't. I, I, seen learned, I, can't. I got things behind me. I got things in front of me. I can't do it. But Pete Rose, I was I was listening to Pete Rose talk to A Rod one night about hitting or something like that. That was really good. It was actually. Did you, did you see that? You yeah, know, of I'm, course I saw that clip. It was awesome. He was sitting there in the batter's box with his feet together or whatever. He was like. Well, if I'm a little slow on the ball, I just move back in the batter's box. If I, I'm a little bit fast on the ball or something like that, I'll move up in the batter's box. He's like, and if I'm I'm pulling the ball, I'm, I'll, 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 I'll move a little bit forward in the batter's box. And then if I'm hitting it away, I'll just move a little bit back. And A-Rod was like, that's all you did? That's, that's, <laughs> you're just fucking, you're just feeling, it was really interesting to listen to him speak because those people have an ability to be great at something. The way they simplify it, to accomplish it is awesome. And Pete Rose, I think, by all accounts, is a massive scumbag. But I, I think Whoa. that's a guy that can just hit the hit hell king. out of a baseball. He's the hit king. Is he considered a massive scumbag? I mean, I know he's had some gambling issues and things like that, but I don't know. Oh, I could be wrong. I don't know enough about baseball yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, they want thirty grand or something for him to come on our show? Yeah, it was something like that to fly him out here, yeah. Or- hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. Massive scumbag. <laughs> to ask you to pay him? No, it's not. Like all you can do is say grand, no, dude. What? Thirty grand? Okay, he should ask for a hundred then, if he knew you were gonna say no. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. You might as well. Have. <laughs> might as well ask for a billion dollars if he wanted to. And that wasn't I him either. Pete. That was his person. I, yeah. I should not be mad at Pete Rose. Yeah. I guess for that, it's his representation. Well, he, but, but when Pete Rose was on Fox, didn't you enjoy that show they had, that pregame show? I enjoy listening to the people who are really good at things talk about it, and Pete Rose was no exception. I, I really liked it. He did, he did one of those sit-down interviews with Joe Buck that we talked to Joe Buck about, and uh, his whole story, he had cowboy boots on. He was talking to the crowd for most of it. Like Joe Buck would ask him the question, and he would just turn directly to the crowd. I mean, he's an interesting guy. He is definitely an interesting guy and very good. And uh, I, I think... If I was back, I would buy a ticket to watch Pete Rose play baseball, I think. I think oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. So giving him a percentage of the team was probably smart. Um, I was oh, gonna, absolutely. I was going to to your quarterback tier conversation. They could do it something like where the NBA does with the Supermax contracts, where you have to be in the league for a certain amount of time, and you can only get a Supermax contract 
if you've made uh, an NBA All NBA team, like if so, like if you made a Pro Bowl or something like that, that's the only way that the you could but get. That's, the Super I think Rex when punch. you tie it to like postseason things like that that are voted on. I think God didn't Clay Thompson get screwed out of that yes. out of a max yeah. deal? Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be there's always going to be a problem when you come to people's money. There's always going to be a problem. Which, by the way, I am raising one that I've seen for other people, that's a problem, right? I think there's always going to be a problem. And the quarterbacks don't want this to change. I mean, if you're a quarterback, you don't want this to change at all. By the way, quarterbacks, biggest voice in the sport for good reason. They control whether or not a team is good or not. And that's why, like, when a guy has four years left of at least good football, you should draft uh, another guy in the first round. But, I mean, uh, we're in a different world now. What are you going to do? Hey, have you ever, Pat, have you ever gone to, like, one of, have you ever hunted in your life before? Hunted what? Like animals. Have you ever shot any animals? I've gone, uh, I fisted a fish before I noodled. I went hunting for a catfish in the side of a lake. I accomplished the feat, pulled out a 30-pounder. Thank you very much. I've gone hog hunting down in Louisiana with a couple dogs, a couple bay dogs, a couple bulldogs, because the hogs are like rats to the fields down there. They need to get them the hell out of there. Bay dogs go in there, hold the hog at bay. Then a pit bull comes flying off the top ropes, tackles it down to the ground. Then you have to hog tie, toss it in the back of the truck. But for First, break the the lockjaw of the pit bull off of the ear of the hog. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me. Keep the hog alive. Put in back of said truck. Move to area that it is not a problem. And I have gone uh, venison hunting before in my life. Well, just it made, it made me think of a story. I I hunted a little bit in high school with one of my teachers, and they have these like pheasant farms that are like high fence operations where you go out and they. They populate the area with, with the birds and everything, and you can go shoot it. And you go shoot them and then say, okay, hey, I got eight pheasants. You can take it back, and you pay per each bird, and that you can clean them and eat them and all that stuff. And he was telling me a story that somebody told him, Pete Rose was at one of these pheasant farms, and this is all allegedly. I don't know if it's really true. And Pete went and shot, like, 15 pheasant, and then he goes to the edge. He goes to, the like, the edge of the property of the fence, and he throws them over the fence, and then he drives around. He's like, oh, didn't get any. Got skunked today, guys. And he gets his <laughs> takes him home. Uh, hustler. I don't know if it's true, but I think it's a, it's a great. I mean, very uh, very creative, I guess. That's the on brand though for Pete Rose. Oh, yeah, that that story's told, and everybody's like, "Yep, that definitely happened." You know what I mean? Wouldn't you love to watch Pete try to throw these dead birds over the fence? You know, I um, when I went hunting for a deer. I think I'm the only confirmed kill of a deer with no in no not exit wound or when it goes into entry the, wound. What's that? Entry and exit. there no entry and no exit wound of a bullet. I gave a deer a heart attack because it <laughs> saw me and saw me shoot the gun. Just died right on sight. Down. I shoot at it. <laughs> obviously miss we go searching for it because we see it drops and my dad's like all right let's let's go let's go find the blood or whatever and track it down i'm like 12 years old or whatever out in the middle of a mountain so we go down where we thought it was we don't see anything and then we see no blood we walk for like an hour hour and a half just trying to find a little bit of blood oh, i might have caught in here i know it went down my dad's saying or whatever so then we walk back to said spot and like we almost trip over it it was just on the ground there and we're like damn here it is and uh we took it to get we had to do the uh obviously had to uh autopsy no uh <laughs> got it got it right had to gut it or whatever then had to drag it out of the mountains 
Okay. Tim McAfee refused to look at a compass. He knew where to go. I dragged this thing eight miles through the mountains or whatever. And then we go and get uh, the meat done thing. They couldn't find uh, an entry wound or an exit wound. So I legitimately gave a deer a heart attack. And I feel terrible about it still to this day. <laughs> I, I would have never hit it. It would have never died. But boy, it had a heart attack. And got all the meat, though. Saved all the damn meat. And uh, that's why I ain't a killer, but don't push me, bro. <laughs> Was that your last... Uh, time hunting bingo <laughs> yeah i guess you you can't top that you're not gonna you're not gonna force another heart attack on another deer so you might as well just end it tim mcafee loves the outdoors i mean tim mcafee growing up used to put his hunting suit uh, hunting costume in a bag of leaves and urine for like weeks before hunting season just in case them deers got better fucking noses than they did last year i mean he used to go out in the woods for a long time so i think the fact that me nor jay are that big of hunters and we have been out in the woods with him might be a little bit heartbreaking for him, but uh, boy, when he made me drag that deer that just had a heart attack three, four miles through this mountain, I mean, it was just down a mountain. I put it in a creek one time and just let that son of a bitch float for like probably 200, 300 yards. I mean, it was, that was it for me. That was it for me. And then as we're almost to the road, Tim McAfee drops a, here, let me help you out, you know? Cause, and he drags it to the end. It's like taking the last piece of the puzzle, you know what I mean? And putting it in there <laughs> and just staking it in there. But Tim McAfee. You think, he would, you think Tim McAfee appreciates you calling it his hunting costume? That's what it is. It's one of them things. Puts a hunting costume out there in the, in the garbage bags. Don't touch the garbage bag, kids. There's deer piss in there. You know I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing. You have to do that. Well, you want to either turn them on, don't turn them off. You know what I mean? He, though, is a sniper. Tim McAfee is an absolute certified oh, yeah. sniper. Like him with a 30-06, pow, everything's down. I, I, he is a very impressive marksman. I, mean, that, I, that, I believe that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, he did have a – he was strapped up on draft night. He had his cowboy hat on. He was strapped up to the gills or whatever, just waiting. Just waiting. Is he always – does he always carry a gun? Always strapped. Tim McAfee is ready for the action whenever you want to be ready for the action. He was a truck driver for a long time, right? So he was an outdoorsman, and then he became a truck driver. And when you're a truck driver, you're sleeping in some sketchy places, and he was like cross-country driving these trucks. And I would assume that's where it all started, and then – now it's just got to the point where there's always the danger too. four Honda Civics roll up on your truck and shoot True. harpoon, attach themselves to the truck, unload all your DVD players. Too. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, these are things Tim McAfee thought that could happen. So he was fucking ready oh for it. Now Is that the plot from uh, yes. Seven Fast, Seven Furious? Uh, the original. The original. What's that? Seven Fast? Too Fast. Truck. Whatever too the, Furious. The first one. Hey, there's a new one coming, I heard. Are they filming it right now? That's I, late. Believe it or not, I have never seen... Of Fast and Furious. No! I saw The Rock and that other guy. They made a spinoff or whatever. Hobbs, Hobbs and Shaw. Shaw. Oh, good I one. saw Hobbs and Shaw. I enjoyed I never it. I saw that. Well, you haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw? No. Oh, dude. Rock catches a, a, a harpoon coming yeah. in mm -hmm. the middle of a glacier, basically. Turns around and throws it back. I mean, you got to watch it. <laughs> Holds a chopper just yeah. with his bare hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to. I love Hobbs and Shaw. And I was like, Wait, is who, it, is his, who is his counterpart? Who's the co co-star? Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Oh, Jason Statham's awesome. Actually, yeah. I might have to watch this. You should. The Rock's not enough for you? The Rock is definitely enough for me. But you pair him with Jason Statham. You got me motivated to watch the movie. I mean, it was the most absurd movie I've ever seen in my entire life. But I, I enjoyed it. And I was like, "Is this what all the Fast and Furious are like?" And they're like, "Pretty much, yeah." It was on a, uh, it was on a flight to uh, 
It was on a flight, a long flight. I watched it. I was like kind of forced to watch. It was the only option. I was like, I love this movie. I'm a big fan of this. So I got a lot to catch up to do. Well, things are, things always, movies tend to be a lot better when you're on an airplane just because. <sighs> yeah, like an average true. movie can be great on an airplane. When you're being held hostage up there in the sky? Yeah. You got nowhere to go? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's watch this shitty film. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a four. Let's see what we got here. Not too shabby. <laughs> oh, Thanks like for a- the options, American. The, um... What were your flights home from Green Bay? You said they were very calm, very relaxed. Did you watch film on the flight home? What did you do? Uh, yeah, I mean, once iPads came involved, you could there's definitely watch guys watch some film of the game or whatever. Um, guys played cards. There wasn't a whole lot. There's a decent amount of card games. I never really got involved because it was so uncomfortable to sit sideways. Like, they're always playing two-on-two, two, I don't know, Euchre or whatever, and you got to – I don't know. I didn't understand. I don't know some of the games. Like, I don't play Tonk. Uh, it was played a lot. Great what else game. Was played. Um, hey, what Tonk, were all the games? Tonk is a great game. Booray is another game. Yeah, Booray was huge in Green Bay. Yeah, that's the scary game. You should not get in there if you're not a card player. No, they would try to get me into a lot of the games, and I'm just like, man, I, I honestly, I fell asleep a lot of times. If it was a long flight, I'd go leaning, I'd get in a window seat, bam, dead asleep, and then Josh sitting would hit me, but came in, and I would always put the. Uh, I, of course, the second I get on the airplane, I put the shade down Obviously. because you're a terrorist if you're if you have the shade up and the lights coming through the hole right for everybody in my eyeball. Like, Bingo! Get out of here! Bingo! Should kick you off the plane. Bingo! But I love Josh sitting so much. I'd be like falling asleep, and said he'd be he'd tap me like, "Hey man," he was super cool about. It. He's like, "Hey, can you put your uh, can you put your shade up?" I'm like, "Why? Like, what do you mean?" He's like. I don't know, I just feel, you know, it just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of scary with that thing down. I'm like, <laughs> I, like, saw the look in his eye. I'm like, yeah, man, I'll put it up for you. And so I'd put it up for Sidney, and then I just would keep it up. Like, the next flight, I knew not to put it down because I don't want to scare Sid. Did he sit next to you? <laughs> a lot of times he was across the aisle from me. Hey, man. <laughs> Wasn't I, I even like in my s- aisle. Hey, man, I like to see us take off. You know, I, like, I just got done with, like, 70 plays of hand-to-hand combat with somebody, but I like to see this son of a bitch get up in the sky. If you could lift that up for me, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I was. it was like I saw how he asked me. He wasn't like, hey, man, put your, put your shade up. Like, he's like, hey, like, he was kind of nervous. Like, hey, I just, yeah, oof, like, kind of uncomfortable. Like, doesn't make, can you just put it up, man? It makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> I feel like you're probably going to talk about this at some point, but I – I just need to know at this particular moment. We had a guy. Um, we had a guy uh, have a little bit of a freak out. A little bit of a freak out. Not too much. Not too much. On spice? Was he on spice or something? No, he was. I, I think he was on some edibles, and then he drank some, and then I think he lost some money. It was like a. It was a. Uh, it was quite a concoction of uh, nightmare fuel. You know, like didn't have enough money to be losing the money he was losing. He was also on some edibles and he was drinking. So it was like uh, just a tornado of failure there for that guy. And uh, there was a couple conversations that had to be had with him to calm down. But there's a legendary story in the NFL about, uh, I don't want to say the team name or the player to disparage him, but they had to almost emergency land because somebody was freaking out on a flight uh, after a game. It, that person obviously got cut, I think, the next day. But the basketball team did that, right? Yeah, Dion Waiters this year with the Miami Heat. He had a freak out and got suspended for like 10 games because of it. By the way, I think that's spice more so than anything. I, I, I'm not 100% sure edibles can get you, but if it's your first time taking edibles and you're in the middle of the sky yeah. and you have no control, and rule number one for edibles is – First of all, 
if you don't feel anything, don't eat more. Okay, that's like rule number one. And rule number two is you're definitely going to come down at some point. Like at some point, you're coming back down to earth because the fear that people have is like, oh, is this my new normal? Is this fucking, oh my God, is this what I'm going to be forever? Oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this can't be it. And then you 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 come down and it's like, oh, I'm never doing that again. It's like, well, you just got to know that at some point you're going to come back down. Like even though it might seem like this might be your life forever, you are going to come down at some point. But some people can't handle that, right? Diggs is a guy who can't handle that very much. His heart starts going. He he almost dies. He talks himself out of things. But I couldn't fathom if it was your first time, okay? At the beginning of the flight, you're like, well, I'm not feeling anything. So you grab something else. Now you break rule number one. And then the plane is up in the sky. So not only are you up, but now you're physically up as well. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is it. This is it. This is it. There, there was a coach that had to go calm down a player. Jeez. I think a GM. The story is legendary. It's like it is a legendary story. And the player obviously got cut. That player got suspended for 10 days. Yep. Not a good place to try out your uh, – <laughs> your, uh, what is that called? Your durability? No, your uh, Ooh, uh, tolerance. Tolerance yeah, for edibles. There you go. Hey, edible. I watched a guy get taken off uh, the sidelines on a uh, on a stretcher one time due to that. Really? What happened? Well, I don't even know his name. I'm not going to say the team I was on at the time, but I was it, I was dressed. Whatever he was, he was an undressed. Uh, you know, he was just not active that day. So I, I don't know if he was a practice squad or not. And I, I came off the sideline. And I remember. And there's like trainers, everyone surrounding this dude who's in like the the sweats, like the weren't the sweats gear. He's not wearing, he's not dressed in pads. And I'm like, oh man, like I was so worried. They they strapped him in, they they're working on him, and then they take him into the tunnel. And I talked to another guy who was not active that day. I'm like, oh, is he all right, man? He have a heart attack? What's going on? And he's like, no, nah, man. I told that idiot you can't take two of them damn gummies I gave him. I said, take one. I said you can have one. And he said no. And he snatched a second one and he ate it. And he just lost his mind out here. And I'm like, really? I was like, oh, God, I feel so much better about this. <laughs> that and he told the trainers and everybody else, I guess, I still think they, they believe him. He, I was like, man, what happened? And the, first off, they said on the way in, he asked to use a trainer's cell phone to call his family, tells him he loves him, he's had a great life, like all this stuff. The worst so freak out. Completely lost his mind. And I was like, well, what did he tell the trainers? Like, oh, he, he told him he drank some of that ripped fuel or whatever those like ephedra type drinks that they used to have he said he drank like three of them or something and they believed that that made him freak out which i don't think they truly believe that well maybe they thought his heart was racing because of it or whatever that used to be like fourth preseason game i'm still working right i'm still working and my crew of people that i would indulge with on either the flight home or whenever they're all out of the game okay so in the second half i'm sitting there you know, hoping to God that we throw an interception as opposed to me having to go out there and potentially die on a punt. Yes. And then I got all my boys, okay, that are normal. They're on cloud 50, just standing around me with sunflower seeds, sunglasses on, just like, hey, hey, pal, how's it going, man? Like, how's it going? Get the hell out of my face. You're so much happier than I am. And then you turn around, and there's another, get the hell out away from me. And you just see a whole slew of people with sunglasses on, and it's like, get me the hell out of here. I never got to enjoy that experience or freak out doing that. And I think that's something I maybe missed in my NFL career. Did you ever see anybody sneak booze onto the sidelines during the preseason game? No, we weren't. To be honest, even though I was tasked with bringing booze on every flight, basically, 
I feel like our team wasn't that big of booze hounds. I mean, like I don't think we had any alcoholics on our squad. I think anybody that's sneaking alcohol on the sideline, potentially an alcoholic. And it's not like the NFL is not immune to alcoholism. I mean, there's guys that are alcoholics in there. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I, we ever had a guy that would be doing that. Edibles now, there was people. I think at one point I remember seeing like 20 guys. And I was just like, oh, aren't you guys just having a fucking time of your life? I'm about to go get flipped on HBO real quick. Let me get out of here. You know what's funny is you said that like nobody brought, you never saw anybody bring booze. The the one person I knew that snuck booze into like a Gatorade bottle during a, the fourth preseason game, I'm pretty confident that guy's an alcoholic. Now that you say that, <laughs> that would be, that's that's the only people that would be sneaking booze onto the sideline during a you know what I mean? I mean no, nothing. Hey, everybody's got their own demons or whatever, but I don't think there's any non-alcoholic sneaking alcohol on the sideline of the NFL. Hot dogs, baby. People are sneaking <laughs> hot dogs on the sideline because they get yelled at. Sneaking their cell phone onto the sideline, but I've never seen anybody sneak the uh, the old booze out there. Thank God, too, by the way. We should probably talk to that. You should have talked to that guy. Hey, you could have been Dr. Phil for that guy. Could have been you. Maybe I should still reach out. Ship has sailed, but Got to find gone. his number again. He's going to hate you at this point. He's going to hate you. Oh, he's not going to know. He's not going to know I'm talking about him. Oh, so he's... It's a him. A couple-week bender here. Did, he's, wait, he's, did Zito just say it's a him? <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> it was one of my teammates. <laughs> um, what? Oh, here we go. There's. I was trying to figure out what else we should talk about. This is a pretty big one. After the success of The Last Dance and the thought of The Last Dance, brought to you by Disney, Apple has decided to create their own docuseries about greats being great. I believe it's called The Man in the Arena. It's coming from LeBron and Tom Brady's production company. It'll highlight LeBron, Tom Brady, Usain Bolt, Sean White. Sick. Sick 900 oh, McTwisty, Sean White. Yeah. Sick the Flying Tomato. Sick. Oh. Katie Ledecky, who's the swimmer, right? And mm-hmm. Kelly Slater, who's the surfer. So I believe we're going to get like a series here, one episode per player, about learning more and more about why the greats are great. Tom Brady says the man in the arena, his, comes in 2021. I wonder if they're going to be filming this season. Let's assume they potentially are. Very, very excited for this whole thing. Are those two diff- separate different things? Like the man in the arena is... Is Tom Brady ESPN special, and then I think the LeBron and Tom thing is on the Apple. So is Tom Brady going to have three documentaries about himself? The Tom vs. Time, the ESPN One Man in Arena, and then his own? A little full of himself, if you ask me. Jesus. That's a I mean, jaded ex-fan of Jordan, his. I mean, well, think of Jordan waited 20 years. Brady can't even get out of the NFL before he talks about Yeah, because the Tom and the uh, LeBron one is called Greatness Code. <laughs> so that one's called Greatness Code. Yeah. Then the man in the arena is the ESPN Tom Brady one. Correct. And then Tom vs. Time was the Facebook one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom's a savage. He's just raking in money from everywhere. He he does the he does the sit down with Jeter, Bill Gates, and the owner of the Lightning. They're gonna have Tommy Town down there in Tampa Bay. It's only a matter of time. TB12. His internet game is savage levels. I mean, he gets it. That guy and uh, three documentaries at one time. That's pretty cool. I, the um. Who's the magician that used to uh, drink Windex cleaner and stuff like that? Jonathan, uh, the amazing oh, Jonathan. Jonathan. 
he hired four documentary crews to film him at one time and that's the documentary about how there's so many documentaries being shot at the same time worth a watch but that is what i feel like tom brady's life is currently what he's got three different crews or is it all the same crew editing for three different people and if that's the case brilliant on his side man in the arena is going to be a nine-part documentary on brady on espn jesus are they going to go real behind the scenes? Because, I mean, that's what people want, especially with Tom Brady. Like, they want to be able to relate to Tom Brady and not see him as this Impossible. other, like, specimen that you can't relate to. Like, if he shows a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, then I think it'll be huge. Well, ESPN, we got to give him credit. They did great with The Last Dance, but the access and the footage that they had was next level. I, well, I mean, last time, though, that Tom went behind the scenes, he had the kissing his boy thing. And that, I mean, that blew over quick, I guess. Well, apparently not. You're oh, really? still, he loved his kid. I don't have a child, but he, no, no. He, some people thought it was like it was a long kiss. I thought it was fine. I don't care. But maybe he, maybe he, I'm just hoping that doesn't make him less apt to give more access this time. Hey, do you kiss? You kiss your son on the mouth? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Quick peck. Quick Always. peck. Yeah. Right on the lips. Yeah, you don't hold it, but yeah. So the judgment was in the holding of the lips, not the lip contact itself. Yeah, of course. I didn't like, know, you know I I'm sure you know yeah, I, it's it like a I have a bunch of Italian friends even that I you see them like I remember senior day <laughs> guys running out of Ohio State couple guys give their dad big kiss on the lips really that's kind of weird to me. Yeah, when I get 20 kids doing it it's weird to me oh, but at the same time oh. like oh cool he must be close with his dad T- you know Tim McAfee and I never sucked face <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why you don't like hunting I didn't watch Disney movies growing up. My dad and I didn't suck face. I, I didn't know what everybody was upset about with Tom Brady kissing his kid. To be honest, I had no idea because I don't have. It a wasn't kid. the kiss. It was that they felt like he held it for a long time. It was and you think that is potentially going to scare him uh, out of giving more because it's like you guys are judging my parenting already. He's he's the man in the arena, so maybe he's already like, hey, I'm used to being judged. So maybe he's even opening up even more. And I would assume they're going to buy Mark Zuckerberg's footage from Tom vs. Time as well. Maybe this will be like an entire his Howard Stern interview was incredible. If there's footage behind all that, maybe his marriage, the whole thing. I mean, this could be really good. But then what are the other four documentaries going to be about? Which one of all those people you mentioned, who are you most excited to see a documentary on? I think Katie Ledecky uh, would be impressive because she turned down like millions of dollars to go back to school, didn't she? Yeah. She had like a Speedo sponsorship worth a couple million whenever she dominated the last Olympics. She was like, nah, fuck it. I mean, my stock will never, ever be higher than it is right now until four years from now if I dominate or whatever. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to school. So you guys hold it. I like that. I think that is a savage move, like just being like, I didn't get really paid anything to do what I just did for my country and I took over the world, but. I don't need your money. Save it. I'll get it later. I like that. I think that could be interesting. I think uh, the Braun Braun one could be awesome, by the way, because I would assume there's going to be a lot of stuff about him having to deal with always being compared to Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan being like a god in his eyes. So I assume there's going to be a little bit of that. But let's be honest. The Tom Brady one is the one that I want to see. He's the greatest of all time in the sport that I made money in. That's the one I want to see. What did he do differently that I could never become a starting quarterback? I was always the backup to the backup to the backup. What could I have done differently that Tom Brady has done to become a starting quarterback? And that's what those types of things show you. It's like, oh, that's why I could never do it. That's just like the Jordan thing did. How about you? Yeah, I would say Tom. I mean, Tom and LeBron. I do want to see what LeBron, like what the behind the scenes looks like with LeBron and it worth. It'll be, hopefully it's not like all crafted and made to look perfect. Hopefully like it's, it's legit, it's real. And we see like 
what his real home life looks like, what he, what it looks like when he's working out. We know you're a sucker for workout videos, so if a guy puts a, an Instagram video out lifting weights, doing bicep curls, and doing a couple box jumps, you're going to crown him as the next national or, or Super Bowl champ. Like, that's just how it goes. No. Jesus. That's not true. That's slander. That's libel. You admitted to the fact, like, okay, Cam Newton puts a video out. You're no, right. that's Cam a Newton's different story. <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger puts a video oh, out sitting oh, on a private plane. I didn't say plane. that guy had you're thrown in a year. I, I did not crown Roethlisberger. I just said if you're a Steelers fan, you got to be feeling Cam Newton. If you're a fan, what is a what is a one-and-a-half-minute video do for you that makes you that comfortable, makes you feel that good about your team? He looked like he was 700 pounds with that beard and hair and jacket he wore all season last year. AJ. So Ben can play. Ben can still sling it if he's 700 pounds. He had Tommy John surgery at the age of 75. The there Steelers fans had no idea what they were getting back. They said, excuse me, is Mason So now Rudolph he's back in- because he did a video? He yeah, he's a, throwing. A he's video. throwing the ball again. We didn't know again. if he would ever throw again. Back shoulder. They didn't yes, think he you could- did. Guys have I know a guy, Kent Merker's a pitcher. He got Tommy. He got when he was 21 years old. Different blew it out. Sports. Tommy John surgery. Pitched for 25 more years. Yeah, different but but AJ, sport, we all know age. He, he's 21. He's in his mid 30s. He's at the end of and his career. And he had it again at like 36. When you go under, there's no guarantees. No, you, you don't. There's no such thing as minor <laughs> surgery. AJ, if you I'm don't a Green Bay Packers fan, and I'm watching, and I see my rookie first-round pick linebacker show up to the house and throw a goddamn guy off the roof. Yeah, I'm thinking we're winning the Super Bowl. This guy's shutting everybody down. Here we go. This is what we want. And Ben Roethlisberger gave hope to the entire city of Pittsburgh again that they're not going to have a Mason Rudolph future or a Duck Hodges future, which, by the way, not saying that that wouldn't be an incredible thing to have quack, quack, quack behind But Ben Roethlisberger, they are very happy to have him back. I didn't crown him personally, though. I didn't crown him. You know what, though? You guys have done this a few times. You turn me. I'm on. I'm, I'm with you. I get it. Like, I I get it. Yeah. Let's go. I'm all in. I'm all in on Ben. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. AJ Hawk. You let your kids know that in that closet you're in where you're sweating your ass off and they're being watched by Jordy Nelson, that there's just a group of men in Indianapolis chanting your name? They know. My, actually, my uh, my niece they took know. our, you know, they our know. song. Oh, yeah. Whatever the intro song, they, she made like a TikTok to the song. She loved really? It. Wow. We're getting into the TikTok world. Yeah. I do not have a TikTok. Tell her to be careful. Yeah, that is a slippery slope. Kids love TikTok, man. Like, yeah, That's so many point. kids are. You know who else loves it? China. 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 I mean, I, I love everybody. I'm, I don't discriminate like uh, you, so I'm okay with it. E-L-E. You're right. I don't know enough about why I should be upset about China loving it, but I just heard China loves it, and I was like, yeah, I, I was told that I shouldn't love it. Brainwashing. So. Deepfakes. Well, the U.S. government banded off of all government employees' phones, so that's something to think about. Ever Asian heard of it, AJ? Maybe your daughter shouldn't be uh, two-step into this thing mm. for China. <laughs> well, she doesn't have a phone, luckily, but yeah, I'm sure they can still get her info. She doesn't. What age do you give your kids a phone? Because I'll tell you what, if I knew that a phone could distract my little hellion for at least an hour, probably two, three years old, I'm giving them the newest iPhone there is. Yeah. I mean, kids get phones at a very young age. My daughter's nine. We, she, Of course, she has friends that have them, and we obviously say no. We tell her once she's like in middle school and she starts babysitting other kids, we will get her a phone. Okay, so she has to earn the phone. Yeah, and it gives us a reason to have it like, oh, hey, I dropped you off at this house to babysit these young kids. You're going to need a phone to text me or call me to tell you when to come pick you up or if there's an emergency, whatever. Babysitter's Club, good good stuff. Making money, getting a phone. Oh, taking bro, I care. tell her all the time, you can absolutely mop up being a babysitter. If you're like my daughter can, if she starts when she's in middle school and goes all the way through high school, 
it's especially like in the area where I live, like I know, like you pay babysitters a lot of money. And a lot of times you, you pay them cash. Like my daughter should absolutely. We're gonna try to get her CPR certified, real, not the thing you did in the uh, airport. No, 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 no. Oh, was real. Real. Yeah, I got hundred percent. I could probably at the point that I'm at the score, I got, I could probably teach her and get her certified. By yeah. the way, if you could, you really, you could save me a few bucks. Yeah, yeah. Ready? Ah, 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 ah. Stay alive. Stay alive. Ah, 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 ah. Stay alive. The person is dead now because you had to pull that But don't push too hard or too soft. You're not doing anything. You're going to have the perfect touch with that thing. And then... Why have you been holding that bat for the last 15 minutes? Pete Rose. Rose, Rose. We brought Pete Rose. Rose, Baseball show. And you only hold it. Well, now you switched, but your hands are wrong. But you've been (laughs) holding it left-handed the whole time. Well, I think, believe me, it's a constant battle in my head to think that I potentially batted on the wrong side of the plate and the only time I ever played baseball. Case closed. You're lucky. Wait, why didn't you play baseball as a kid? My dad hated Tim McAfee hated baseball. Said, no, 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 I ain't going to do it. Can't do it. (laughs) Played soccer instead. I mean, he'd rather watch you play soccer than baseball? Yeah, believe me. I I still don't understand the time, the clock situation in soccer. I don't get it. What do you mean? Counts up. Oh, oh, wait, 90 minutes? Oh, okay, now we're going to play for another seven minutes, and nobody knows how much longer we're going to play. We're playing for seven more minutes because you killed somebody about maybe 13 minutes into the half. Can they tell you how much extra time you have? Uh, yeah, somebody holds it up in a sign, so everybody has to kind of look over. But you don't know until the game, the 90 minutes are up, right? Yeah, but you kind of know also during the game, like, hey, we've had a couple stoppages here. Uh, 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 Ty killed a guy earlier, yeah. blew out an ACL. They had to get his bag of bones off the field. His brains were splattered all over the field. Why do they do it that way and not just have a, a running clock that they can stop? Well, I mean, it's tradition. It's a beautiful game. Yeah, have a little respect the, for that, it. You know what that answer is? That's like when you ask a, a terrible coach, "Hey, coach, why are we doing this?" Because that's that's how we've always done it. I agree. Which is the worst answer on the planet? I agree, and it's the NCAA. Whenever they say amateurism, that's you can't do it because it's amateurism. They made up the word, and that's their answer. Everything. I agree completely. I'm not saying it shouldn't change. I'm just saying maybe respect it a little bit more. I, I respect the, the history and the tradition of the game. If that's oh. why they do it, then cool. I, all right, I'm okay with it. I know I'm a lefty now. Oh, yeah. I can just tell. It's so much smoother over here. So much smoother. Okay, do a Okay, yeah. You look good. Like your elbows up. Like you look like you have a little bit of swagger to you. Now let me see right. Here. There it is. Oh. Yeah. See, uh, it's not as natural. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think I'm a lefty. We need to go to the cages someday. Once COVID lifts, we'll go to the cages together, and, and you'll hit righty and lefty, and we'll see what happens. Tim McAfee has just texted a group and said, we don't do no face-sucking in this family. So, <laughs> so that clears things up. I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to kiss my son. I'm going to be honest. Old Pap Pap comes in and slaps me in the mouth. The only thing that's happened with that mouth is it's getting smacked. It ain't getting kissed, kid. Old Pap Pap comes and smacks you and your, your newborn son. Where are you from? Rust Belt. Sucking face with your son. Yeah, I don't think Rust Belt sucking face is a Rust Belt thing. Hey, I'm not a Rust Belt kind of guy. Uh, that's a more of a California type. 
AJ's kissing his kid. He said it's yeah, nice. Yeah, no, no, Italians no. are doing it too. A lot, no, of, yeah. a lot of Italians in the Rust Belt. Too many Italians in the Rust Belt. Tom lingered and kind of was open mouth a little bit. I didn't see oh. it. I, I, I saw the backlash, but I didn't understand if that's normal or not because I don't have a kid, obviously. I mean, I'll go kiss Val, my dog, right oh, now. Yeah. I'll kiss her right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. Right oh. in the mouth. What kind of dog is Val? Uh, she's half pit bull, half Sharpay. She's awesome. She was on her deathbed. You know, she was in the uh, shelter about to get uh, euthanized. And Samantha, my fiance, got her out of there. She has the tattoo or the stripe of whatever she was going in. And she's thankful that her life was saved every single day. Humility. She listens. She pees and poops outside. She's the best. She's the loving. She's the first dog I've had a real connection with in my life. And then this other fucking dog was a couple thousand bucks, and it knows it. It knows <laughs> that it was born to make money. It knows it was born to be the queen's dog. It knows that it's an asshole, and his name is Chuck. But he and I have come around on each other. But he's still a dick, but he's still we've come around on each other. But Valerie's the best dog on earth. That's good to hear. Well, most, I don't think all dogs that get rescued like that, they don't, they don't, they don't carry that with them. They don't I think you're wrong. Like, hey. Yeah. I think the rescue dogs do know. Not all of them. You, you tell me every rescue dog acts like that? I would say a lot higher percentage than, a lot higher, a lot higher than, and by the way, I'm speaking directly out of my ass here, but I don't know the actual stats, but I think that dogs do know if you rescue them or not. Like, I, I think that oh, is. Oh, yeah. I, I believe that. They know, like, hey, I'm in a really bad spot right now. This sucks. Oh, wow, my life is so much better here. This guy who won't stop talking, brought me into this giant fun house. There's a trampoline. There's a pool. He works out in the pool. There's a barn with a, a WWE ring in it sometimes. And we have 38 cats and tadpoles. So, like, this is such a better life for me. Well, uh, Valerie was brought into the fun house a little bit later in her life. So, in the guy that won't stop talking, uh, Valerie and I don't talk. We make eye contact and we send messages back and forth to each other. That's all something. Like that Elon, Elon Musk said on Rogan, like in five or ten years, we're not going to have to even speak. That's you ever have that? Mo Do you have animals? I had three dogs. We're down to one. Oh. Well, rest in peace, the other two, or whatever the hell you did to them. But the there is Caitlin. they died. They died. I did not kill them. They okay. died. Okay, Caitlin rest too. in peace, tees in peace to the other two dogs. Oh, I got an outdoor cat too. Yeah, I feel like oh yeah, Caitlin, three legged cat uh, outside. That's a savage, I guess. Um, but I think, like, there's a moment you can have with an animal when you make eye contact and their eye contact is back. And I think there's, like, a little potential message. Being said. And I'll meow at my cat a lot. We'll have a full conversation every morning. But me and Val just look at each other. We stare at each other for, like, five, ten minutes. I'm like, all right, have a good day. And I'll walk it off. Hey, what's it sound like when you meow with your cat? Probably while you're taking a dump <laughs> in the morning. Depends what. Teddy will come in. He gets real chirpy. He wants water now. He wants me to turn on the spigot of the bath. He wants fresh, cold water. He's sick of that goddamn bowl that he's been drinking out of in the kitchen. And the fact that you're up taking a shit, now is the time for you to turn on the water. So I'll be sitting there scrolling through the internet, and I'll hear it from outside the bathroom. Right? He has sensed or smelled me hit the toilet. He knows that I'm up. And I'll hear like an echo of a like a big one coming i'm like all right here comes the ted train right and then he'll come into the room he'll walk right into the bathroom he'll sit down and just stare at me while i'm on the toilet and he'll just start hitting me with like meow and i'll like look at him 
and I'll look back at my phone, meow, and I'll look back at my phone, and then he'll walk up, he'll hit me with a paw on the leg, and then I'll go back at him if I'm a little bit angry that morning, he catches me with his little thumbnail, and I'll go, meow, like quick at him, you know what I mean? And then he'll answer it back, and then it depends. Some mornings we're very cheerful with each other. Some morning it's like a meow, and he and then he'll like purr and rub on me but it all ends with him getting water or me not being left alone the entire morning now cats have a a very good sense of smell don't they cats are awesome i just i just want to just wonder like cat whatever teddy whatever his name is must be very very thirsty to sit there and get hot boxed by you (laughs) dumping every morning just to get this fresh water he only drinks. He only drinks cold water. He only drinks fresh water. I I respect it, but that's the first. He's the first cat I've ever had. Like a because I was always born and raised on the cats are bad, don't have cats, dogs are good, the whole hate cats thing. So then when Sam came into my life, she brought a dog and she brought a cat. She had others, but she only moved. She only brought in one at a time, and then like a week later, brought in another one. But Teddy, Teddy and I have had a great relationship from jump, and I I think. He has really transformed my thought on cats. They're awesome. He's like a dog. He, but he's also a G. Like, hey, don't fucking touch me right now. Like, I, I don't need it. I'm gonna go poop in my box. When I come back, I might need. I might take a smoke. I might take a little bit of break. <laughs> don't look at me. Don't touch me. I'm gonna do my own thing. And uh, he's the best. I actually, he and I had a moment this weekend. I was laying on the couch out in a, a room off my kitchen. It's a sunroom, and I was laying in there. And there's like some Buddhist stuff in there and like uh, Dreamcatcher. It's like strictly created for if you're to get high and go into a room and it's in the trees and things. So I'm in there and I hear a meow, right, from down the hall or whatever. And I'm like, oh, it's my guy, right? So I meow back and he comes walking all the way down and he sits down on this like leg thing that is right next to me. And he and I just stared at each other for probably 15, 20 minutes. And I got a tear in my eye. And I was like, one day this isn't going to be able to happen. And you're the first cat I ever liked. And then I got up and left. And he called me a bitch on my way out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would love to be a bystander just to secretly watch that stare down and then just see like a single tear go down your face. <laughs> it was more than a single tear. I'm t- it, was, it was waterfall. It really was. Cause I was like- and you, you were thinking like, man, this guy's not going to be around forever. Yeah, this guy... I don't know if he has four years left. I don't know if he has three years. He has at least another three to four years, right? I mean, there's at unless least he that. Doesn't, unless you step on his face accidentally in the morning when you're I'm not going to do that. Oh I'm not going to do that because he's my guy. I'm not going to step on his face. You're not going to intentionally do that, of course. Jeez. I'm going to watch my feet around the house. The three-legged cat, Scootsy, she's trying to get stepped on. She'll come flying in sideways like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you let Scootsy? Teddy try uh, liquid death yet? Oh, he's going to. I mean, it changed his life. Coldest water of all time right here, yeah. by the way. No, they did not pay for the sponsor. Oh, no. by the way, somebody did, though. Good call, Ty. Hey, we got to sell something, AJ. Let's do it. Did you know that a company was created with a goal and a mission to make shorts the most comfortable thing to ever touch the skin of your thighs or your waist Mm -hmm. a company said we don't want you to have to get boxers and shorts tidy whities and shorts spandex and shorts we want to create the most comfortable shorts and underwear look at this together together 
shorts, comfortable underwear. Okay. When to become one. Uh huh. Bird dogs. Bird dogs shorts, and they have pants as well. Haven't got a chance to wear the pants yet because I'm so addicted to the shorts. You can wear them in the pool when you're getting a workout in. You can wear them while you're golfing. You want to talk in a polo? You can wear them to a business meeting. You can wear them to sleep. You can wear them anywhere. And also, right now, when you buy some Bird Dogs most comfortable shorts ever, you get a free pair of nunchucks with 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 your purchase. Okay, so not only are you getting a weapon and comfortable shorts. You're getting a, a feeling that you've never felt before, and that's just an absolute comfort on your thighs and your taint. Oh. <laughs> that right, AJ? I mean, you're, you are you are right. It's just it, you you're so eloquent in how you describe how it feels to, to ex- wear them. To experience this feeling yourself, go to birddogs.com and enter promo code Sports Talk one word Sports Talk, and you will get. A free pair of nunchucks with your order. You'll get an actual murder weapon along with your bird dogs. That's birddogs.com, promo code sports talk, and boom, free pair of nunchucks with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off, I promise you. That's true. When I go home, I go straight into my bird dogs. I've been getting workouts in. You could probably tell AJ, I know you can see that. Then I take those pair of bird dogs off and I get my lounge bird dogs on. Mm-hmm. And then I put on my khaki bird dogs if I have to go Ooh. to a business situation. I mean, I just have different bird dogs I put on and I'm thankful for the bird dogs. And also, these nunchucks, incredibly durable. Oh, wow. I mean, it, it, these things will last forever, probably. I mean, it's real nunchucks. Yeah, and, and you, they let you carry them around. So, yeah, I think it's a great company, great shorts, great pants, everything about it. Birddogs.com, promo code sports talk, free pair of nunchucks. Yeah. All right, AJ, I think that was the show, huh? Yeah, yeah I'm getting pretty sweaty in here now. <laughs> oh, Mark Cuban, I asked a question for you. For uh, for the Mark Cuban interview? Thank you. No, I I was thankful you sent me the question. It was a great question. Whenever I read it this morning, I was like, that's a really, really good question. I'm thankful you did it. The boys on the back end cut out the part where I said, AJ wanted me to ask this question, but I did say it. I, did, I want to let you know I did say it in the clip we're about to listen to. It gets cut off immediately after me saying that. Here's my question that you wanted to ask Mark Cuban, and here's his answer. Let's get your response. If you were Robert Kraft... Tom Brady goes up for a free agency here. Would you have stepped in and made sure Tom Brady never leaves your franchise and goes elsewhere? Or is that something you got to keep? Um, it'd be between me and Tom, right? I'm sure they sat down and talked it out, right? As long as they had a conversation and you were straight up and honest, right? Because sometimes, you know how players are, right? Every guy thinks they're 45 years old. And, you know, if I could just do something to get over this little knee issue, you know, <laughs> then, you know, I'll be back to running four, three forties again. And, and so, um, if they talked it out and, and everybody was understood and they were honest about it, then whatever they came to was cool, right? You know, with us, with Dirk, Dirk knew he was kind of on the decline um, and we knew it, but we wanted to send a message because there, there was no way for us to put a championship team around them. And I wasn't, it's not like in the NBA, you can just go and sign a championship team and say, you know, sorry, Dirk, you know, you'll be the 15th man, but we're signing all these dudes. No, that, you know, I wanted to keep them in, you know, I couldn't win a championship with them the way things were structured. So, you know, we just got on the same page and, and got it right. And as long as Kraft and Brady did the same thing, 
you just got to live with the results. As somebody who I like the NBA, but I don't know the ins and outs enough to really know this answer. So this might be a dumb question. But now that we're getting into the super team era is how they're describing it. Now, granted, you're putting together some young studs and things of that nature. But do you try to get into those sweepstakes? Like when Kawhi was up, Paul George was up, LeBron was up. Are you trying to pitch as much as you can? You know, it's just like when you're single and you see a hot girl or a hot guy and you just go, hey. <laughs> <laughs> same thing yeah you throw it out there even though you know the odds are slim is that because dallas or why is that because they're thinking about la or is it because the setup what no we're good because of circumstances or money that was a clip i don't know it was a long clip but you got it the by the way i don't know a lot of owners that would do that like hey i guess the lakers did it with kobe there in his last year and I would assume that maybe it's happened a couple other times. But Mark was like, we're, I'm not going to bring in a bunch of people and move Dirk down to 15th on the roster. We're going to finish this out with him. And Dirk's understanding that, and I'm understanding that. That's a pretty cool thing for an owner to do, but not normal. I don't think that's a normal thing that owners of sports teams would do. No, it's definitely not normal. And Mark Cuban is letting like the emotional part of the game like he's being very open and honest about it. Like If it's other places, they say, like, oh, emotion can never come into it. It's a business, so cut him loose. If he can't help you and you can't win a championship with him, you got to get rid of him. I think it's cool to see that. I mean, just look at just look at the visual. He's got a, a flat bill, a cutoff, <laughs> and he's sitting in his office coming on your show. Like He's a very unique owner, and I think it's awesome for the game of basketball. I'm, I'm glad that you had him on. And also, Pat, dynamite follow-ups, too, on that initial question. I thought that was great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Sometimes when I get in a conversation, my brain can think of some good things to talk about. But he's worth, what, $5 billion? $4.8 billion? 4.7. I think it was like the five. 4.7? Yeah. $4.7 <laughs> billion. Dollars. Batman. That was talking to right there. The bet, did you, have you ever heard where he talks about he sold his company for whatever billion and he bought like a, a year or some kind of American Airlines pass where you could pay like 250k and for that year you could fly anywhere you want in the world first class and like that 200 you know that's just how it works i didn't know that existed just, it not anymore it did exist back oh, then i guess damn. He's I, was like, about to say. I guess <laughs> he just flew to everywhere in the world and just went and hung out and did whatever he wanted he said after he bought the mavericks he looked into buying the pittsburgh pirates so he was like in a time there where he got rich and he was like all right i want the mavericks all right we got that locked down yeah okay Let's talk about this fucking Pittsburgh Pirates team. Let's go pick that. He was on like a sweepstakes run. He's like, all right, I got the Mavericks. Let me get the Pirates. All right, is he what? still looking? Like, is he is he open to possibly buying another team? Yeah, when his kids get older. He said he, his three kids, he said that was before he had kids. Now with an 82-game season and everything else, he's, he said it would be too much with his kids. But maybe once his kids get older, he'll get back into that or run for president. So I, there was – I mean, those are – Will you buy the Pirates in four years, or will you run for president? That's currently – both of those are on the table for Mark Cuban right now. And which one's going to be more fun? I think owning the Pirates may be a little bit more fun than becoming president, oh, but yeah, you have know. a much more lasting impact if you're the president. Well, the Pirates stink, so if you win, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So I, I think being a Pirate would, or being the Pirates owner would be a, a great time. He said he asked his family, though, if he should run for president or whatever, and it was a resounding no from everybody. In four years, I'm sure the wife isn't going to come around and be like, yeah, let's, let's ruin everything we've ever done just to be the most powerful person on planet Earth. <laughs> and let's get half the world to hate you regardless of what you stand for or stood for. I don't know anybody that's just jumping into that. I, I have no idea, but maybe Mark's the guy, and I told him right here to his face, hey, Mark, you run for president? This particular room right here will help you win, bub. We'll mm -hmm. help you win. Oh, yeah. 
What if he gets Dwayne The Rock Johnson to be his VP? Can you smell? Do you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson will be a vice president? I don't know. The more and more I learn about the vice president, you're Not strictly serving the president. Like that is, like that's, it was an honor to serve. I, I think the vice president is like, I don't want to say the secretary, but it feels as if the vice president has to do all of the terrible shit. Yeah, he might be he running gets, against like, the he rock. Gets, he does the stuff the president doesn't want to do. Bingo. And I don't know if the rock is like, Rock don't do paperwork. <laughs> Fucking you do your own paperwork. That ain't gonna happen. Yeah, like why the president goes to watch the Super Bowl or the national championship. The Rock, if he's the VP, he's got to go. Like, he's got to set up the, the security on a playground opening in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and he's also got to set up to make sure the security is good for the president. Like I think, <laughs> like I think that's what the vice president. I'm not sure the vice president is anywhere near a desirable position. I, the only thing that's desirable, uh, uh, desirable about it, I guess, is that you could potentially be president yeah. in the future. If you're Frank Underwood, by the way. Oh. push him out it might be it? nice though you don't you don't it's like being an assistant coach like you don't have to deal with the terrible parents that ask you why little timmy's not playing enough like you can hang out and kind of do your thing true it Bingo. would be electric though if in 2024 we had cubes the rock kanye all running <laughs> who's gonna have, for sure one of them at least one of them will come on our shows mm-hmm. to, to push their narrative whatever it is and we're here for it cubes our guy i mean but we won't be any bias if it's oh, the no. rock. Kanye, Kanye, can we get Kanye on the on. show? Kanye? I'll reach out. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a real roll of the dice on what Kanye is going to show up, right? Because you've seen some Kanye's who he like shows up and he's like very open to the interview and it's like a good interview. But then there's sometimes where Kanye shows up and Kanye doesn't want to do anything. And it's just a nightmare for the host. So it's like... I don't know if I am at the clout level or I guess with you we are if we're at the clout level where Kanye will show up and definitely respect us for the conversation because I think that has to happen. You remember when he showed his iPhone password on national television? The one 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 or something? <laughs> one, two, three, all zeros? I think that was a troll. It was, I think that was a troll by him. But yeah, I don't know. All right. I got to go to the bathroom and I got to work out. And I know that you probably got to go relieve Jordy Nelson. Uh, thankful that you were able to pull this off from the closet. You did a great job here, AJ. Thank you. I'm glad it seemed to to work out. I will be back tomorrow. I don't know if I'll be in the closet tomorrow. It might be somewhere else. We'll see. Come out of the closet. Good. Um, The hair looks incredible. I'm so sweaty, and I've been running around playing tag in the yard with kids. Did you watch uh, Professional Ultimate Tag? Did you watch Professional Ultimate Tag last night with the Watt brothers? No. How was it? Was it good? Not sure. Not sure. Um, Tony? It's pretty good. Go ahead. Elaborate. Two of the three brothers are on the Steelers. I'm not going to say anything bad. Jade Stark. Whoa. Who said what that? He's Connor. That guy. Dude. Connor said that. Why did you say that, Connor? I didn't say. I didn't did you watch, watch it? it. I didn't even see it. Oh, okay. So why did you say it mouth. stunk then? I wasn't talking about uh, the show. This I just, is just like you no, talking no, about that game six I watched last no, night, no, where no. you were like, bah, 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 bah. it's like, well, did you watch it? No. Well, then no are saying. They, are they hosted? The they just stand there the like uh-huh. yell like they're Matt Eisman and Akbar Bajabiamila yep. in American Ninja Warrior? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I did not. I literally, I'm. I got a DVR'd, so I did want to give them a rating, so I DVR'd it right because anytime an NFL player or players are hosting something on primetime, I'm happy for them. I would like to support it. I DVR'd it, but this morning the reviews from the boys were not glowing in here. I mean, it was. I mean, granted, he just dis- wasn't his decision, JJ. But they went on every show basically yesterday to promote it, but ours, oh, right? I mean, they went on every show, JJ. but ours to promote it. Mm. So maybe the boys are holding a little bit of guilt, a uh, towards that. No. Yeah, a little bit. 
A lot. But I'm watching it tonight. I'll come back tomorrow with a fair judgment, even though I know that they chose not to come on our show. Yeah, they wanted to is what I was told, huh. JJ, but the, the people didn't put us on the show. I'll have to try to find a way to, to watch it tonight, too. I'm curious as to what I'll FaceTime professional you. tag. Yeah. I'll FaceTime How you. can it be good? How can you even make that good? The, the really concept good. was there. It's just like the athletes, you know, they didn't, the athletes weren't impressive. The odds, I mean, the deck is stacked against that show succeeding. I, I mean, unless, I mean, I've heard the concept and I saw JJ pushing it. And I was like, okay, I hope this is good because I think JJ's a great personality. TJ, I guess, is a good personality. And Derek, I, I like that. But when I started reading about them giving me the description of the professional taggers as if they were Malibu, 225 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal, that like from American Gladiators, I started reading along. I was like, oh, this one's going to be tough, I think. And from the reviews that I've heard, it was a little bit difficult, but maybe it'll get better as we go. The Titan Games got picked up for another season. We, mm -hmm. we did not think that was going to happen, I mean, from our, our standpoint. But I'll watch, I'll watch the ultimate tag tonight and give a real review. Hilarious banter between the three, too. The, 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 gladiator, the gladiators were that, kind of tough. That's all I needed to hear, Ty. No, there was. J Ty, what was that all about? Well, JJ had that hilarious fart joke. or uh, the, I, I saw it on Twitter. I, mean, I didn't watch it, but I saw that. That was, you know, I was lulling. Can you tell us what the joke was? Like how what the banter went back and forth? No, not really. I just remember it was hilarious. <laughs> Don't want to butcher it, you know. It was so yeah, good. Exactly. I, I forget all the funniest jokes too. I'm with you. I mean, it's no Songland. <laughs> the room. You gotta remember this room. This is a oh. tough room. It's a tough room, but it's a realistic room. It's a room that if they get behind something, you could be like, you know what? I bet that thing's pretty good. A tough but fair. Stern, tough, but not fair. Really, they, not they fair at all. No, definitely not fair. What? But. No, no, no. We're you very guys fair. Did some things. No. No chance. No, like, that's not true. No, some things you guys give. No, I mean, I told the story last week. I thought we were on the up and ups with somebody. I go into my office. Thirty minutes later, I come out. The whole room had turned against somebody. I'm like, what the fuck could have happened in the last twenty five minutes? And you know where it all starts at? Mitt. You don't know. It's not Mitt. Mitt's learning about this toxic culture right now. It all starts with Nick Moraldo, Ty Schmidt, Aww. and Connor. Whoa! Those three what? are that's, the loudest narrative-spinning people in this office. That is a bold statement. How are you going to leave Diggs out of there? <laughs> what well, Diggs just rides. AJ knows. Diggs just kind of rides the wave. You know <laughs> what I mean? Diggs just rides the wave. Kelly Slater. I love how Diggs just real subtle. He'll just be super subtle, quietly just kind of throw little jabs in there, and you know exactly how he feels. But by the way, you learn <laughs> how the room feels because you'll hear Diggs come off the top rope or something. It's like, oh, okay, there we go. So everybody's in on You this. also don't hear what Foxy says when you go in your oh, office. Oh, Foxy. Foxy? Might be the worst. Whoa, 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 whoa. You guys know that's not true. Takes you Fox. guys know that's not true. Fox. Bro, I will come out of my office. I wish Stafford it, it was is, leaving. It is unlike anything I've ever seen before. I Literally, I'll just come out and somebody, without them even knowing, just got eviscerated for the last 25 <laughs> minutes. And it's just like, Damn. I do not know that person deserved that. Hey, well, you know what happens sometimes like that too, sometimes. Pat. I don't know if you keep your ears. It do be mind, like that. Do be like that it sometimes. Do, hey, it do be like that yeah. sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, Pat, you end the show, and then sometimes you'll be like, "All right, audio done," and you're like, "All right, I'm gonna take Whoa. a dump," and then you'll leave the room, and every once in a while, I'll stay on, and me and the boys will just start chatting up about what's going on, 
and similar things like that may happen where someone you know, <laughs> we push our agenda on it. So are you? Are you the? Agenda on me. Are you the problem? Else, I'm more than happy to co-sign on some of their things. Well, I think what happens is. I think they're trying to protect me so I have plausible deniability for their thoughts. So I don't hear a lot of them until they're completely formed. And then it's almost like, you know how in Shark Tank they come in with a whole presentation? Yes. That's what these motherfuckers are like whenever they're telling me why I should hate somebody. They're like, all right, sit down. And they come out. They got a dry erase board. They got like a projector with certain tweets that they put out. And they're like, "You, we hate this guy. Okay? You hate this guy. I hate everything. We hate this guy. Colored this strings connecting everything on it's why just like, you should. It's smart. I mean, is this what you you guys have been doing can we not get mad at you the best part is do they get mad and start yelling if you disagree and you say you like the guy well no because i don't even put up a fight anymore because we're fair we tend to be very persuasive no that is not (laughs) true i do start to realize why they are feeling that way but i stopped fighting it like I don't know, probably a year ago because it just started happening so often. Like, I used to be like, well, that's not what the person meant. Oh, and then I got like fucking every side. Oh, they're coming after me. I'm like, all right, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't. Because if it gets in my brain, we all know if that person's name comes up on the show, I'll just be like, we were talking the other day, and I don't even want to be into that world that they're in. But boy, I feel like Mullet Mitt's potentially getting sucked in there, and I'm a little bit worried about it. Oh no! It's, they're being a, they're bad influence on yeah. Mullet Mitt. Yeah, Wyatt from uh, Wisconsin is a fourteen year old kid who calls in our fucking show. He's already that been pers- awesome. Yeah, no, he's terrible. He, he's fourteen years old and he already wants. He wanted me to talk about the downfall of players already. I'm like, yo, you're fourteen. Can we not talk about the people that are going to go up as opposed to going down? And it's because he he's views the world the same way yeah. these guys do. I think they start tweeting him. They want to see the world burn at all times. <laughs> Zito, you know we forgot to ask Cuban huh. if we could borrow his yacht for Tampa. Yeah, we'll have him back yep, there it is. Yeah. That's our end. He'll be back. Well, yeah, he's got to come on McAfee and Hawk to talk about that. I got the email of the person True, that you're right. sets it all up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fitzpatrick, I don't know if you want to sit, if you want to show him off. He looks amazing right now. Ryan Great. Fitzpatrick looks absolutely amazing right Can now. Can you show what it you're to me? About? Look at that. That looks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's a lion. So good. That's wait. What is that monitor behind? Oh, that is an iMac. Old iMac. It's, an iMac. Oh. it's beautiful. Yeah, it's Steve Jobs uh, actually got fired because of that thing, but the. The hair is blow dry, and the beard might be as well. He might be winning the quarantine, to be honest. I've never seen Fitz Magic look better than this. And here's a guy we've said on numerous occasions the brain of a Harvard man, the heart of a plumber. That man right there will run his face into a buzzsaw if he has to, and there's no reason that he ever has to. And I couldn't think of a better, not only looking man, but a better man to guide Tua to become the next elite quarterback in the NFL, especially with that do, flow, and beard. Oh, he looks awesome. Was he on the show? No, I don't know why he got brought up. I think Zito just wanted us to talk about it. He his did beard. a uh, press conference today on Zoom. His hair looks good. How come we never get invited to those press conferences? I feel like we're a part of the media corps. Stupid local media. Oh, yeah, they, they fucking played tummy mm-hmm. sticks on their phones yeah. while they're on the conference calls without muting themselves. Say tummy sticks? You could be Tua's best friend. Oh, Tua's best friend. Oh, he's mute. Will somebody mute their damn phone? Well, it's not me. Oh, it is me. Sorry, let me mute that thing. And then they accidentally hit the button. They're unmuted again. They just told me to fuck. No, mute it again. It's unbelievable. Not their fault. It's modern technology. Speaking of modern technology. Nope, it is their fault. If they don't know how to mute themselves on a Zoom call, it's their fault. Okay, well, see, that's the... Fair. See, I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. You in the room... What do you do, mean? 
the mute button? You don't know how to press the mute button? Hey, I, I've been on a Zoom call. The first time I was on there, I talked for probably 30 to 45 seconds without knowing I was muted at the bird. And if you accidentally slide all the way to the, if you swipe right too many times, you go on automatically mute. And yeah, sometimes it can be tough, but they do ruin a lot of good moments. Aaron Rodgers was given a great answer in like four or five times he was interrupted by stooges hitting buttons. And I'm like, all right, come on, pal. Uh, here's a person we interrupt every time to talk about everything that we talked about in this show so that we can remember and move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, our intern, Mollet Mitts Minutes. Don't hey, fuck up. Hey, this morning he batted a thousand. Yeah. Yeah, I debate So he's definitely gonna definitely gonna nail it this time. Uh, here we see. go. All right, we got a we had a long show today. Uh, we had AJ reporting live from Jordy We had a uh, long put show. Put an air down. Are you not grateful for the fucking conversation that you're listening to? He's in I'm here on his day off is what he's wow. saying. This has got a little bit lengthy for my liking. <laughs> kidding me? All right. AJ, I'm sorry that we talked so long. You get away from your kids in that closet. Mull admits says nah, too long or whatever. But I've enjoyed this conversation with you, sir. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate you guys. I'll be on tomorrow, and I'll go uh, figure out how Jordy is going to jump on with me. I think if I – we can share the mic, but I'll just have to take my headphones out and use the computer audio, right? And it doesn't have to be for the whole time, just a nice 15-minute, maybe 20-minute conversation with Jordy. Mm -hmm. Or he could just tag in, and I'll go watch the kids, and he'll just take over. Don't do that. Ultimate tag, though. Do that. Hmm. McAfee and Nelson. Ultimate tag. So don't do it or do it? Don't tag him in. Uh, we can't have you gone. I, I think you there kind of – could potentially, you know. It's McAfee and Hawk. Yeah, it's McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. Oh, and you make Nelson or Jordy feel like he's at home like a baby being cradled in a yeah. rocker. Like Mitt. Just like that. Okay, you're right. All right, we'll, we'll figure Mitt. it out. We'll, we'll Tough come showing. Back. Tough showing. What the yeah. hell was that? It, it was a long show. <laughs> yeah, how do you start the minutes off with that? The show was way too long. <laughs> uh, too much today. Oh, you honest. guys talked way too much. Uh, a little bit too long. I want to let you know the, oh, my God. We knew it was going to happen at some point. No, the tide's turning. No. Tide is turning on Paul and Mitt. Eviscerate him. In the comment section. They were, now. they were marching in the comment section to get him paid just a couple weeks ago. Got him paid. Grossly overpaid. Mullet Mitt's minutes was starting to really pick up. And now they have completely turned against Mullet Mitt. Greg, how do you get fired on your day off? No, on your day off. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Dick? Uh, both sides are reporting that Chris Sims is full of shit, so... Oh no. no. Wow. What no. a surprise. Cowboy, wait, Cowboys. <laughs> what a surprise. Oh, by the way, what a surprise. Oh. I just want to let you know one of those office meetings that I've gone in my office and came back out of is potentially. This one's fully on me, too. I'll take all the credit for the Chris right. Sims 8. I, okay. We'll got more on that tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> 4241 here. Hour and 40 minute show. Shout out to Mitt. Mm -hmm. But you get cramps in your fingers typing up the news. I my finals, bro. I got time. Evan Foxy, get us the hell out of here. The greatest sports talk show on the internet from one to two recent standard time. So come on down for a mental vacation with the boys on YouTube guys. McAfee and Hawk. McAfee and Hawk Sports Talk. AJ used to tackle quarterbacks and he's a Rust Belt tactic guy. AJ Hawk! That's the punter of the decade for the 2010s, kicking pierce missiles to the sky. It's McAfee and Hawk. Oh, it's McAfee and Hawk. Damn it, man. Just drop my bat. It's McAfee and Hawk.
Audio Jack. A man who owns Keel Vodka, great vodka, great yeah. vodka. Mm, and right now, Matt Light wants to send you and a friend to watch Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on Drew Brees in the New Orleans Saints at Raymond James Stadium. It takes only ten dollars to enter. All proceeds benefit the Light Foundation. That is an incredible package. Shout out to this guy, ladies and gentlemen, front of the show, Matt Light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. boy, Matt. All right. All right. We are fired up this morning. Let's get it on. Well, you're giving away a hell of a package here. You and a friend, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Buccaneers, taking on Drew Brees at Raymond James Stadium. Where are they sitting? Where are we sitting? How do we sign up for this? It's only 10 bucks. I'm pumped for it. Yeah, you know, game day, uh, gamedaytampa.com. So if you go to gamedaytampa.com, you can get as many uh, raffle tickets as you want, as little as $10 worth. Um, you know, these packages are incredible because everybody can participate. If you spend 10 bucks and you don't win, you're helping out two incredible uh, foundations. The Light Foundation, which we've been working for almost 20 years now and uh, trying to get kids into the outdoors and indoor leadership academies. And then Mike Allstott and his family foundation oh. and the work he does. But I called up Allstott and I said, hey, look, Allstott, you're still in Tampa. You're a god down there. Everybody loves you. Can you help me put together a great package? And, you know, look, an opportunity like this at, on November 8th, when the Saints are going into Tampa Bay, I have a feeling oh, yeah. that it's going to be a little different than what the games used to be in the past <laughs> oh, with yeah. Brady and Gronk and all these, all the everything that's happening right now is going to be pretty legit. So this is one heck of a game, and it's going to feature the two best quarterbacks in the history of the game. And I can say that because as a left tackle, you can suck every single play if your two quarterbacks in high school or in college and in the pros are Drew Brees and Tom Brady. So I'm excited to introduce some people to those guys and let them have a great time. They're going to be sitting in a suite. It's going to be an awesome package. And if you go to gamedaytampa.com, it's all expense-paid trip. Great sell, and you're selling yourself awfully short, but not bad coattails to ride there, <laughs> Drew Brees and Tom Brady, for your entire life. Not bad at all, by the way. Um, let's talk about playing with Tom Brady. Tom Brady, it came out that he's been working out at a prep school with a couple of the guys. Rob Gronkowski had been there before, but the media didn't catch him there. There's this incredible tweet that comes out from the center named, um, what's the center? Oh, Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen, where he talks about Tom Brady explaining the towel situation that he is going to put down his pants because Tom Brady doesn't want to have his hands in a uh, ass sweat for the entire time. Is that something that Patriots offensive linemen joked about? Or is that just something like, hey, this is the way it is and we completely understand? Because I never understood how, now granted, offensive linemen are being paid to be overweight. A lot of sweat comes in those games. And these quarterbacks, who their money is all being made right here, are expected to shove their hands up in the worst part of the body for sweat. The worst. And now this is coming out that Tom Brady was like, hey, uh, maybe my first 10 years before I won six Super Bowls, I would do that. But now this is what you're going to do. Is this a real thing or is it just a funny tweet? No, 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 no. It's, it's definitely a real thing. I can think back to my rookie year when Damian Woody – and Mike Compton used to split time at center, which is hard for me to even fathom that we actually played ball in that manner, right? Like if we had to shotgun it, Mike Compton would move from left guard to center because Woody's shotgun snap was terrible. <laughs> so they had to figure out, you know, how to get the towel right for both of these guys so that, you know, he didn't have the sweaty ass crack syndrome hitting him right in the face. But <laughs> 
you know, it's definitely real. I can remember Copen always having to mess with it and always get it right at the beginning of practice. And, you know, quarterbacks are finicky, okay? That's all you can say about it. I mean, when you have a, a manicure that's as rock solid as, the, as these quarterbacks in the NFL have, you don't want to have it tarnished with any ass sweat. Hey, one six Super Bowls. I don't want ass sweat on my hand either. I got rings on my hand. I don't need any of your ass sweat on it. Uh, I like that a lot. What is Tom Brady going to bring down to that locker room, do you think? I, I'm already setting up these workouts. I think you had Blaine Gabbert and another, the third string quarterback was there with him. O.J. Howard who allegedly wanted out of town whenever they brought in Gronkowski, he was there. Mike Evans was there. It feels like he's a real, like a unifier of men, which is kind of unexpected, especially when you think about a guy who sells Uggs and has this reputation <laughs> that he has. It feels like he's a real team-first unifying guy. Is that an accurate assessment? Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's him. You know, he um, he's going to bring everything to Tampa that's got him where he is today. And And some people would say, is it Bill? Is it Tom? You know, when you're around both of those guys, what you realize is, is that they both bring something really extraordinary to the table, each in their own way, each in, you know, with with their own respective positions at, at the heart of it, right? So Tommy's not going to overstep his boundary, right? He's not going to go tell Bill to do something. And Bill's never going to, you know, go overboard and saying, hey, Tom, it's got to be this way because there was a mutual respect there. It's just a tough place to play here in New England. So what I think you're going to see in Tampa is Tommy having the ability to do maybe more of some of the things that he really wanted to get to. And in this case, I would say the only thing that he's going to work on is making sure that he doesn't throw the ball on every down. Because if he had it his way, I think he'd throw that thing each and every single play. But he realizes that the running game is his best friend when it's worked out well. I mean, it's the reason they won their last Super Bowl. It's the reason when I was there that we had a lot of, you know, championships and had a lot of success. Um, so I think he will do a good job mixing and matching. But what you're going to see is Tom Brady at his best. Tom Brady fired up to play the game. Tom Brady competitive and doing what he's always done. And he's got a lot of great targets to be excited about. It's very interesting that you say that if he could, he would throw it every play because one of the knocks on Tom Brady is that he's a game manager. He actually doesn't take those shots. They run the ball a lot. So hearing that Tom Brady is just like every other quarterback, basically, and wants to throw it every single time. Now he's going into Bruce Arians offense, which basically is, hey, look, we got to run the ball, right? We have to run the ball because we want to set up at least a play action. But they're going to throw it 50 times a game, potentially. I didn't know that Tom Brady was a guy that like has been asking for that, yearning for that. I'm pumped to see him get a chance to experience that for like basically the first time since what they had randy back then yep. yeah and listen you know it, it, most quarterbacks are that way right they yes. want to throw the rock it's understandable they love playing catch with their buddies you know it's like <laughs> you know being on vacation every day but you know when you go to the line of scrimmage and, and you have a check with me and and you have the ability to run maybe maybe up to two different run plays one on this side one on that side looking for the open look looking for the drop down safety here so we run away from pressure whatever it may be there's always typically a pass with that check with me and if if there's even a chance that he can get the ball out of his hands and in in time with with everything else he's going to go with that that pass play but i'll say this when he's throwing the ball really well everybody always talks about how the run game can set up the pass, but the pass can actually set up the run. It's true both ways, and I think you'll see them do that at times, right, where they're going to have a lot of success throwing the ball around. It's going to take a little while for people to understand what they do, and then as they start to figure things out, it's going to open up the run game a little bit and vice versa.
offensive linemen and quarterbacks have a long history in one particular group wanting to run so that they can get the defensive line off of their ass and not just have their ears peeled back, and quarterbacks just wanting to throw the rock all the time. Jeff Saturday and Peyton Manning have one of the greatest exchanges in mic'd up history on the sideline where it ends with Peyton Manning screaming, Well, it just blocked, Jeff! <laughs> it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Let's, uh, let's talk about the quarterback now at the Patriots. Nobody has come out and said... Okay, and this, I I want you to tell me if you think this is from a Belichick order through a Zoom call, if this is a text from the Patriots telling people to watch what they're saying. Nobody has said Jared Stidham's going to be the quarterback from the Patriots organization. Nobody has said he's going to be a starter. Nobody from the Patriots organization has said, yeah, Jared Stidham, really good player. They said he's a good guy. He's a hardworking guy. He's smart. He's all these things. But nobody has come out and said, like, Jared Stidham last year lit us up on a scout team. Jared Stidham did this. Jared Stidham did that. And when Belichick was asked about on draft night, he was like, I like all four quarterbacks we have and we don't know what's going to happen down the road if they bring in more nobody has come out and said that jared Siddham is a a great quarterback or b the starter is this just how the patriots speak about things like hey nobody give away any information and do you think that is a directive from belichick to the team i mean look i mean we're not talking about jared Siddham, okay we're just not <laughs> all right i mean look I mean, look, we're, we're, we're moving on, okay? We're, we're not dealing. You're not hearing anything because there's nothing to be said. And, and that's, you know, that's 11 years of being in the system. But in a lot of ways, it's 100% factual, right? Uh, Bill, Bill wasn't lying. He doesn't know which one of his guys are going to be the guy yet. Um, I think they have a lot of confidence, you know, in Jared Stenham. I think they like what they've seen. I think he's had – you know, a pretty good um, opportunity to study from the best. I think he understands what's expected of him. Can he deliver? I mean, there's a lot of things that have to come together before you can answer that question. Um, is he capable? Sure. Would Bill say that? Never. You know, there's just, <laughs> there's no, there's just no upside to saying it. So he's not going to do it. So you're going to feel as if there maybe is a lot of uncertainty where there probably is a lot more comfort than you'll ever realize. But when the bullets are flying for real, we're going to find out exactly what he can and can't do. And there's going to be a lot of people chomping at the bit to expose what he can't do very well. And, you know, I think Bill's going to do a good job of limiting how much they expose, you know, his kind of lack of uh, experience um, early in in the season. They're going to take care of him. They're going to try to manage him as best they can. But what they really need is the offensive line to go above and beyond. I mean, they had a lot of issues last season, obviously losing David Andrews before the season ever started. He didn't play a snap. He's kind of the heart and soul of that offensive line. Both their tackles were injured on and off. They've got a guard. Will he be there? Will he would not be there? And is everybody truly going to be healthy? I'm more worried about that than I am about the quarterback play. We're a big offensive line show here. Mm. Big offensive line show. Everything is won in the trenches. I mean, at the end of the day, if your offensive line sucks, you're going to lose whenever the games matter. That's just, that, that is just how it goes. Because defensive linemen now are too talented, too good. They can expose a plug or a weak link. And then now your run game, your quarterback, everything's screwed. So you're saying if the Patriots offensive line is good next year, it does not matter who's playing quarterback. It's just not as important, right? I mean, you're talking about a coaching staff. You know, if you think about Josh McDaniels and all the different things that he's seen, you know, in his time as a coordinator, and you think about the experience Bill brings, 
when you have great coaches and you have a great system and you have a lot of really good players, you can overcome a lot of things that have to do with pure talent based on how you practice, how you prepare. But again, here we're talking about preparation and how well you can get guys, you know, ready to play the game when no one is able to do what they're normally doing at this time. So he's got a lot of things going against him right now. Doesn't mean anything at this point, but it just means that he's going to have to come out of the gate swinging pretty hard. All right, Matt. Three-time Pro Bowler, three-time Super Bowl. <clears throat> I got one of the best pass sets. Yeah, I got one of the best pass sets in the history of the internet, okay? Judge I'm this ready? judge this as if nobody is running against me, okay? <laughs> They've shifted the uh, defense. They're running a stunt the opposite way from me. I might have to go clean up, if anything, but I'm going to watch my side first, okay? What are we on? Okay. We on one or two? What's the down? Uh, second down. Okay, just basic basic ass play. Okay, what is this on one or is this on two? What is it? I, I can't tell you, uh, but but you're gonna you'll, you'll know when the ball snapped. Okay. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Blue lady, blue lady, was that a speed to power? Yeah, that was yeah. just a straight speed to power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. What I've been working on it actually. I've been working on the pass set to the uh, cleanup across the pocket. Let me pick up the extra guy coming across. Hey, I got you, uh, Tom. I got you, Peyton. I got you, Jared Stidham. I got everything you could possibly need. See, I was so confused. See, I thought you were pass rushing against me. You were actually oh, no, the no, no. We were together. Yeah, I pass set it. We were on the same team. You do so I was way off. Yeah, I was I was on a different wavelength. But I, I'm gonna tell you right now, the hips. It's all in the hips. If you got the hips, you're really Ooh. popping the hips. You're good. Yep. <laughs> there it is. See that? Squeeze, squeeze the squeeze the ribs with the elbows. Thumbs yeah, up. Squeeze the ribs with the elbows, and you got this. There we go. There we go. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, three-time Super Bowl, <laughs> three-time Pro Bowler, owner of Keel Vodka, and also go to Game Day Tampa. Game day Tampa, baby. Little as $10. We'll see you down in uh, Tampa. We're going to have a great time. Island Way, Barn Grill, Hotel, Airfare, everything's Woo! in there. Yeah! If you don't win, hey, you're helping us out, man. It goes a long way. <laughs> Good guy, Matt Light. Can't thank you enough. Can't thank the guests, obviously, enough. I mean, this is a dumb life. We're going to tell stories about this 10 years, 15 years, maybe 20 years from now, but... All this going down. And I hope a couple of you will say, during the quarantine, this dumbass dude named Pat McAfee and his friends talked to the microphones and I enjoyed it a little bit. If you enjoyed this show, please tell a friend. Tell them to listen to it over the weekend. Say, hey, why don't you listen to Pat McAfee Show 2.0 podcast? Huh? If you didn't like it, just act like you never listen. Ty Schmidt, from all of us to all of you, we can't thank you enough. And keep powering through. We're almost at the other side of this thing. Ty Schmidt, please play some independent music to launch into the greatest quarantine weekend of all time. Cheers.